the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. the Nick D podcast. Hello, I'm your host, Nick DeGilio. Episode 150, the Nick D podcast here at the Radio Misfits Podcast Network, the greatest podcast network in the world. By the way, we're streaming now 24-7. Turn us on anytime. There's a lot of great stuff happening at radiomisfits.live. 24-7 streaming. Hey man, it's like a radio station, only cooler and only better. And it's talk and it's podcasts and it's music and it's the best. 24-7, check it out. We are rolling. Radiomisfits.live. You can hear this podcast every day at 3 p.m. Central, and you can hear my other podcast about Saturday Night Live. That show hasn't been funny in years. Every day at 9 a.m. Central, along with other amazing podcasts from Radio Misfits and the Unheard Music Show, some incredible unsigned uh, musicians and bands and artists for your perusal. Yeah, it's the best. So now we are, in addition to being the best podcast network in the world, at RadioMisfits.com, we are now broadcasting and streaming 24-7 RadioMisfits.live. Again, this podcast every day at 3 o'clock, and my other podcast, Saturday Night Live podcast, every day at 9 a.m. And speaking of that Saturday Night Live podcast, you should subscribe to it right now. Download it. Subscribe. If you're an SNL fan, it's the best SNL podcast that's available. Period. That's it. No argument. That show hasn't been funny in years, an SNL podcast. New episodes drop every Wednesday, everywhere where you get your podcast. And this is the Nick D Podcast. New episodes drop every Tuesday and Friday. This is a Friday. Jim Ryan is going to join us. Jim is our music guy. He sees a lot of concerts. He interviews a lot of musicians. He knows a lot of people. He talks music. I love music. He loves music. We have a blast talking to Jim Ryan. He writes for Forbes and Daily Herald. You can check him out at RadioJimRyan.com. Lots of stuff to talk about. He's... he's um. In this past uh, past few weeks, he's talked to some of my favorite music people of all time. He's interviewed some people that I love, so we're going to get to that. And he went to some interesting concerts and had some interesting, <laughs> uh, interesting situations. And uh, yeah, anyway, we will get into that. One of them involving Janet Jackson and Tinley Park, but we'll get to that. When Jim Ryan from Forbes and Radio Jim Ryan joins us to talk music, uh, Esmeralda Leon is my cohort in crime here, and she will be joining me on the last segment of the podcast, uh, to talk about magic megaphones. And again, if you got a magic megaphone request that you want me to speak into or play into, it's an inside joke with you and your friends. It's something you want to say to somebody. You want to be featured right here on this amazing podcast as part of the magic megaphone. Do it, man. Give us a request. Send me an email, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. You can send me an email anytime you want about anything you want. But if you want a magic megaphone request, get them in now. We get them all the time. And I will make your dream come true. 
nickdpodcast at gmail.com. Our voicemail system is up and running 24-7. We encourage you. We want to hear from you. We want your feedback. We want your questions. We want your uh, contributions. We want your magic microphones. Anything you want to say to us. I listen to every single voicemail that comes in, and I play many of them back on the podcast. So call us 24-7 anytime you want to leave a voicemail. It's 773-417-6948. You should advertise with us. This is a very popular podcast, people. I don't mind saying it myself. So if you want to reach a lot of people and you want something that you want to advertise, you want to be a sponsor, sales at radiomisfits.com. So that's how you be connected with us, be a part of the show, advertise with us. Do it right now and jump on board because, man, the streaming service is going and it's going 24-7. You need to get in there as well and check us out at radiomisfits.live. So lots of stuff coming up on this Friday uh, show. Of course, it depends on when you're listening. It's not necessarily a Friday when you're listening to this because it's a podcast, and that's the beauty of it. You can download them. You can save them. You can listen to them. You can binge on them, whatever. I am here to provide incredible entertainment for you. (laughs) And I'm glad that you're listening, and I'm glad that you're subscribing, and please uh, be an active part of uh, our podcast world here at Radio Misfits. Uh, you know who is an active member of the podcast? Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. I know you do, baby. Yeah, she's the best, man. Hi, yeah. I'm Carrie Russell, yep. and I love Nick's show. Hey, by the way, we're getting close um, to uh, August. Well, we're about a couple of months away uh, from August. And the beginning of August, August 4th through the 6th, is, again, uh, the 21st annual Flashback Weekend Horror Convention. My favorite weekend of the year. I'm going to be there all weekend long. It's at the Hyatt Regency O'Hare. Incredible guest lineup this year. If you're a horror film fan, it's the best horror convention in the world ever. And I've been a part of it as a host, as a guy who runs around and organizes stuff. Uh, We run the Q&A room and the big ballroom. There are screenings. There are live events. I do Q&As with celebrities, and I'm out there. Uh, I'm going to be hosting this podcast live from that big ballroom at the convention. So I expect all of you who are listening right now, every single person, you, yes, you, I'm talking specifically to you, you will have your butt there on Saturday, August 5th, when we uh, record and present a live version of this podcast on stage at the Flashback Horror Convention with special surprise horror-related guests. I think Sven Gulli might even stop by. And, of course, uh, Esmeralda is my co-host. We're going to be there. We had a great time last time in a huge crowd. So come on out. Check out FlashbackWeekend.com. FlashbackWeekend.com. Get your tickets now. Reserve your uh, rooms at the hotel. It's a weekend-long party if you're a horror film fan. Lots of great celebrities and incredible stuff. All the details are there. All the incredible events and photo ops and screenings and live concerts and all the Q&As that I am going to be moderating and a live version of my podcast recorded with you. You can be a part of it. Be there. It's going to be an unbelievable weekend, and we're doing our podcast from there live, and I expect all of my Nick D podcast fanatics to be there. Come up and say hi. Be a part of the podcast. Again, August 4th through the 6th at the Hyatt Regency O'Hare in Chicago. Uh, It is going to be the best. It's the best horror convention in the world, and it's the best weekend of the year. For me, it's the highlight of the year every year, and I can't wait to get back. Lots of incredible guests. I'll give you more details as we get closer. And a lot of those really cool horror celebrities are going to be on my podcast as well. So uh, make sure you get your tickets now. Uh, Go to uh, flashbackweekend.com for all the details. So we got more of that coming up and more coming up. Speaking of that, uh, before, uh, before we talk to Jim Ryan, congratulations. Congratulations. 
You're about to listen to the Nick D podcast. It's by far the best decision you've made today. It makes the other podcasts seem like crap. Oh yeah, don't be a jagoff. Treat for you, Jim Ryan. Oh, he is on the lion, Jim Ryan. I am about to pour a big bowl of Jim Ryan down your ear hole. Jim Ryan. Five, four, three, two, one, go. Have you ever met a man named Jim? Last name Ryan. Or last name Ryan. First name Jim. Well, this particular one, well, he writes concert reviews. Interviews musicians in golf fancy shoes. Now's the time we turn up the microphone louder so we can hear what Jim Ryan has to say. Ryan's theme song, which uh, Jim, I think, likes. You like that, don't you, Jim? <laughs> it makes me smile every time. Yes. There it is. That's right. Jim Ryan, uh, who uh, is a music uh, writer, uh, goes to concerts, interviews people in the music industry, used to do traffic and flying helicopters and shit. <laughs> now and, we stick uh, with the concerts, yeah. And uh, now he sticks with concerts. He writes for Forbes. He writes for the Daily Herald. He's got a website called RadioJimRyan.com, and that's where you can see all of his stuff and read all of his stuff. And he joins me usually about once a month to talk music. Hi, Jim. How are you, buddy? I am good. How about you? I'm all right, man. <clears throat> Pardon me. Uh, uh, you're, are you good? Are you, what's going on? <laughs> I'm gonna, let me get a sip of water, apparently. Yeah, have, yeah, have a, a lozenge. Have a, a lozenge. <laughs> I do have uh, several lozenges <laughs> if you need them. Um, remember when uh, Martin Short used to do the imitation of uh, Jerry Lewis? Oh, yeah. And, and he used to say, uh, if you want to do serious, because you could do young Jerry Lewis by going, Hi! and doing all that stuff. But if right. you want to do like sort of serious, older Jerry Lewis, telethon Jerry Lewis, you just put a lozenge in your mouth, and that'll get you. <laughs> that'll, that will absolutely get you physically ready, facially and vocally for your Jerry Lewis impression. So if you want to do a Jerry Lewis impression, older Jerry Lewis, get a lozenge. So, I just uh, watched The King of Comedy the other day, so it's funny oh, you bring him up. It's so good. It's so good. I forgot how great he is in that, too. He's, he's really good. He's phenomenal in it. It's yeah. great. It's a great movie. That's why I say, you know, uh, it's one of, I think it's kind of an underrated Scorsese movie. I don't think people realize just, just how great that movie is. Like, people, yeah, good fellas, and they all rattle off all those movies and you know they kind of forget just how uh, you know on that par, on, on the par of greatness king of comedy is because it's phenomenal and, yeah and uh, all anybody talks about is de niro and to me yeah. jerry lewis just steals jerry that. lewis is amazing so, uh-oh wait a minute <laughs> hold on a second here we go all right often does a train go by so often you won't even notice it. <laughs> there it is. Every time we have Jim on, there's, there's always a train go by. Yeah. So often you won't even notice. It. Uh, <laughs> that's <laughs> a long on time. That's a long. <clears throat> it's on. It's on. You know, I live right near uh, an L station and a metro station. Mm-hmm. 
but I guess I'm a little bit further. You're closer to the Metro tracks than I am. Yeah, I'm on Ravenswood, so the UP North line is right, right there. outside. Yeah, yeah, I'm the UP North line is by is near me, but it's on the other side of the Kennedy. I live right next to the Kennedy. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just live right on a main street, so there's all kinds of crap happening. I've <laughs> I've had a million. I've lived here now for about twelve years in this apartment. Okay. And it's right under, I live right across the street from the Blue Line, uh, the Viaduct right there on Irving. And I can't tell you the number of times I've been jarred out of sleep or in the middle of the day where I hear a large boom, the entire building shakes, and a truck has T-boned or, <laughs> or tuna canned, tuna canned <laughs> underneath the uh, Viaduct. I've seen those posts on your Facebook page a lot. But by the way, 12 years in one apartment, that's like the city dream. That would be... That seems like the impossible, the white whale for me in the city of Chicago is to um, be in an apartment more than like two years. I have been, this is uh, the second longest I've been in a place. Holy crap. That's incredible. Yeah. The, uh, the second long, oh, not counting when I lived, uh, you know, like 18 years in the same place with my parents. Uh, that doesn't count. That was when I was growing right. up. Right. Uh, but yeah, no, here, I've lived here for 12 years. Um, and in Andersonville, I lived for 15 years in one place. Okay. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Years. Yeah. I'm impressed by that. Well, thanks. I also, uh, have a very cool landlord. So that's, that's, that helps. That helps a lot. Yeah. I have that now. I think I can actually be in this, this place for a while, yeah. which is kind of nice. Yeah. No, I'm good. I'm, I'm good with my, with my guy. He's, he's, he's a good dude. So it's, yeah. I mean, but yeah, no, I mean, but like, uh, yeah, trucks, Getting tuna canned underneath that viaduct—it's a—it's a, it's a regular thing here, man. It's insane. They're—they're uh, building a new metro station right at the end of my block, so literally like two houses down. Oh, so no. if the only thing we hear today is the train go by, let's consider that a win. So it's just how often does the train go by? Yeah. So often you won't even notice. It. Oh no! <laughs> All right now, but the jackhammers and stuff—that's a whole nother issue. Right. Exactly. Okay. All right. Well, uh, besides Jim living in a noisy place, uh, he does cover the music scene, and you interview a lot of really cool people, and you go to a lot of concerts, all of which we're going to cover, uh, and we've got some really cool stuff. Let's first talk about, um, before we get to the concerts, particularly one that I know that you, you're going to want to talk about. Oh, God. Okay. Uh, but I want to talk about some of the interviews that you've done over the past uh, month, because uh, you seriously, three of the interviews that you've done are three of my favorite people on the planet part yeah. of three of my favorite bands mine mine too like ever like seriously mm -hmm. like three three people from three of my favorite bands that i've ever loved more than anything <laughs> yeah and I'm, same. I, I'm i'm not kidding so it must have been really cool then to talk to them. uh yeah i mean it was it was crazy uh geezer butler wound up being email he was uh, he was sick and so it wound up getting it wound up not being a phoner like it was supposed to but it was still i mean it's geezer, Black man. Sabbath, man. It's fucking Sabbath. <laughs> I mean, come on. Um, I have to get his book. I didn't even know that Geezer had a book. Um, yeah, that's a, so every everybody does. I think each member now has written one. Yeah, of Sabbath. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, as all Bill, Bill Ward may not have, but I know. Tony I don't know if Bill Ward has. has yeah. Well, okay. Now, so you're just talking about the original members of Sabbath? Because I was going to say, if every member of Sabbath oh, has written well. a book, then there's going to be like forty, <laughs> be forty books out there. Yeah. I need to move and, and build a new wing just for the... <laughs> yeah. But if you're talking about the original members of Sabbath... Uh, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, Geezer, let's start with Geezer then. Geezer Butler, 
Bass player for Black Sabbath, uh, arguably, I mean, I don't know, the greatest band ever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the the blueprint of 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 of, of heavy metal. Uh, the first Black Sabbath album, which came out in nineteen seventy, yeah. I believe, mm-hmm. uh, is to me. Uh, if you want to know where metal came from, where yes. the tuned down, hard, grungy, even sound of, of rock mm-hmm. came from, it came from Sabbath. Um, and he's got a book called Into the Void, which, of course, is the name of one of my favorite Sabbath songs of all time. Yeah. One of the biggest jams of all time, a geezer butler. And you got to talk about uh, his book and about Sabbath. And Well, you, through email, but still, you interviewed geezer butler. Tell me a little bit about that and and where we can read that. Yeah, that's uh, that's up online at Forbes.com. And I mean, that's I mean, first album, 1970, they form in 1969. And I just I, I was thinking to myself as I read this. In the same way that I think about Iggy Pop when you talk about the Stooges putting out their first album in like 68 or something, how insane that had to sound to people oh, yeah. in 1969. Black yeah. Sabbath, like this this whole new thing, right? When people credit like Led Zeppelin as one of the first, I'm like, no, 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 no. no. Sabbath. Yeah. It's Black Sabbath, yeah. yeah. And it's Geezer, so he, he writes all the lyrics, you know, he's the main lyricist to yeah. the songs. And he's got this really interesting style of bass playing that's extremely melodic. And as he explained in the book, the reason for that is because he was so broke as a kid that he wound he learned guitar first, but the only guitar he could afford had two strings. <laughs> so he learned this really, really interesting style of playing that when he wound up picking up the bass and learning it, he already had this weird, super melodic style that that translated that that you can hear in these Sabbath songs. His bass lines are really impeccable. Amazing. Yeah, yeah it's crazy, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, do you talk about growing up in Birmingham, or, or? Yeah. So I mean, <clears throat> it's crazy that that all that what him, Tony, and Ozzy grew up all yep. in Birmingham, going to the same school, right? I mean, that's something in the water there, but. Post-World War II, and I've talked to a lot of artists from this kind of same era, and that always has an impact on their worldview, that he's growing up in Aston, in Birmingham, and, you know, bombed out war zones are their playgrounds. The roof on his childhood home had been damaged by a bomb. His father was a veteran. And so it explains real clearly how you get a song like War Pigs, right? Yeah. Which he wrote the lyrics to. Um and, you know, growing up poor, then he starts to incorporate topics like pollution, like uh, poverty. These all are things that start making their way into the lyrics of Black Sabbath songs at a time when nobody's addressing the world in that way, right? You're talking the late 60s. You've you've got the Beatles. You've got the British. You're just coming out of the, the first wave of the British invasion stuff. And here's Ozzy <laughs> singing yeah. these heavy metal songs about poverty and famine and pollution and just a whole different thing, right? Yeah. Well, you know, the, the, the thing that people don't really uh, give uh, the correct praise and acknowledgement to is just how, uh, like you mentioned, I mean, sort of how political and important the lyrics are to Black Sabbath. They get dismissed. Mm-hmm. Like Sabbath, Sabbath has always been a band that never got the critical acclaim that it deserved. Right. Uh, until, you know, until recently, you know, recently, not recently, yeah. but in the past, like 25, 30 years, yeah. maybe. Mm-hmm. But when they got shit on by critics yes. when their when their albums came out. And I'm, I don't know if you've talked to him about it, but or if it's covered. But I mean, the, 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 the kind of critical acclaim and, and, you know, like 
that was given to songwriters of that era, you know, people would laugh about Sabbath. Like, oh, these right. guys suck. But their stuff, like you just said, I mean, War Pigs is, an, is a genuinely great protest song. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's phenomenal. And, and it's still relevant 53 years later. It's still absolutely. relevant. So, yeah. I mean, did that come up at all? Like, I mean, you know, I mean, I, I'm sure that they don't get, I mean, no, I mean ultimately, yeah, yeah. ultimately they don't give a shit that they didn't get critical acclaim. But the, they're an important band, not just in terms of sonic sounds, but they wrote about shit that mattered. Yeah, that's they wrote these songs that people could really relate to, right? These are these yeah. are topics that people are, are can relate to that aren't just sappy ballads. And <clears throat> he gets into the fact that nobody did a deep dive on Black Sabbath. Everybody thinks it's this occult thing, and it's it's not it's not that at all. Like no. There was a passing interest in that briefly, but it's not it's not that in any way, shape or form. Uh, Iron Man is the story of Jesus basically taken with a whole different twist and ending on it. Um, You know, it's they're writing these songs that are relatable. Like you said, they're writing protest songs, but all nobody would actually do a deep enough dive into the substance. Yeah. To want to understand that there that there is something important there and something worthwhile there, which. To me, not only Black Sabbath, but heavy metal in general has has just gotten that forever. It has. It's just oh, it's laughed at. Like because yep. Ozzy's Ozzy's become kind of this cartoonish character, right? And nobody nobody takes him seriously. But Black Sabbath, I mean, there's a lot there. No, those those uh, those first five Black Sabbath records. If you don't own them, your your record collection is incomplete. That's yeah. that's it. I mean, I mean, I just personally think that if you don't own the first five Black Sabbath records, then you should just if you don't buy them, then you your your record collection is not it's it's not worthwhile. <laughs> and there's there's so much there too. Like everybody's oh I hate heavy metal. Like with Black Sabbath, like these are melodic songs and there's these elements of jazz in there and the arrangements. Yeah. Like there's so much going on in Black Sabbath songs. It's it's no, those, crazy to me. I, like I said, those first five records, man. I mean, they're not. I mean, they're, I can't all the way through. I mean, I like all of the the original. I mean, I, and I go with uh, you know the Dio Sabbath as well. I think Heaven and Hell and I think Mob Rules are both great records, but. Those first five, man, from from Black Sabbath through Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath, all five of those records are fucking unbelievable. They're unbelievable. Here's his quote on War Pigs in particular. He said, it's very sad that humans can't seem to learn from past atrocities. It's always down to politicians trying to impose their politics through violence. Then, after years of war and bloodshed, acting as if, as if nothing happened. Politicians are the devils of this world, and their minions are the demons. If that's not a Black Sabbath quote... <laughs> no, it's not. And it's in I mean, the song. That's all in yeah. the song. Yeah, mm-hmm. no. And and I've always been like, you know, people who dismiss Sabbath, I'm just like, I can't talk to you. Because they're legitimately yeah. an important band. Not just in terms, like I said, in terms of sound. They're a fucking great band. Black Sabbath mm-hmm. is one of the greatest, one of the greatest bands, one of my favorite bands. Maybe my favorite, like, if I had to, like, narrow it down, someone put a gun to my head, Sabbath would probably be my favorite band of all time. I I, I just, they're just unbelievable. And Geezer is just the man. And have you read the yeah. book? I have, yeah. It's yeah, great. I, I can't wait to get it. I just can't wait to get it. And Because and, uh, he gets into so much stuff. Like, I, I think Tony, I, Tony Iommi's book got into this a little bit, but Ozzy's obviously doesn't at all. Yeah. I mean, he gets into... There were there were some yes the the early highs but there's also the, a lot of lows Hell like yeah. where Sabbath is dragged way way down after Ozzy leaves the group oh yeah you know, he gets into the Ronnie James Dio stuff but even way beyond that you know it's 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 an interesting story it's a fantastic it's an, it's it's fascinating I mean that whole right around when they were recording Never Say Die and Sat and Ozzy was fucking gone you know what I right, mean right. at that point and they had to kick him out of the band. And then, you know, like had that having that like that brief 
explosion again with Dio, you know, and then when Dio left to do the solo stuff, uh, it was like, that was when they were struggling. Like, you know, mm-hmm. Ian Gillen, Ian Gillen yeah, was in Ian there for Born Again mm-hmm. and, and all that stuff. And then they had the album, uh, Glenn Hughes uh, yep. was with them for a little while. Yep. They had uh, featuring Tony Iommi at one point, Black Sabbath <laughs> featuring Tony Iommi. Uh, it, there was a fascinating history to that band. Uh, yeah. there, there, there really is. And, 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 you know, and then like reuniting with Ozzy and, uh, you know, and all that stuff. And, and listen, you know, as we've been talking about, you know, the whole like, oh, devil worship and all that stuff. It's not like they didn't play that up either. You know what I mean? Like, sure, sure. Because they did. You know, at, at one point it's like, okay, if this is the reputation you want to give us, we're going to, especially Ozzy. Ozzy, you know, went way. Ozzy did, yeah, for sure. Ozzy <laughs> especially. Yeah. And, and, and Tony Iommi fucked with it a little bit. But he was interested in it. Like, he was interested in the occult for real. He was. Right. Um, but, yeah, but Ozzy played, you know, like, you know, Ozzy biting bats' heads off and shit and doing doing all that crazy stuff. But now that, like, and that overshadows just how important a band they were and how groundbreaking they were. I mean, I can't wait to read the book. Yeah, I'm, and I'm looking here, too. It took until 2006 for Black Sabbath to finally get inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah. I mean, and Ozzy is, an, Ozzy is still not in as a solo member. That's so, ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I mean, it's, it's yeah. I, let's not get into that again, because, you know, we'll, we'll start <laughs> screaming about Warren Z. I'll have to start uh, screaming about Warren Zevon again and flipping tables. And I can't, I, I, I can't afford to break any more furniture. I've been living here for 12 years, so yeah. I, can't, I can't do that anymore. All right. So Geezer Butler, you got to talk to Geezer Butler. His book is called Into the Void. Uh, from birth to Black Sabbath and beyond, and it's out there now. And you can read this uh, interview with Geezer that Jim did at Forbes, and also at Forbes you can read. Man, all right, let's move from the let's move from from <laughs> from, from Black Sabbath to another uh, to another, ba- another band. band who should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, by the way. Uh, but I digress. Uh, and uh, Tommy Stinson uh, from the Replacements, which is yeah. a band that I don't know one of the most important bands because it's weird because like. I got into Sabbath in my childhood. Okay. I got into uh, the replacements in my 20s. Uh, when the, and the last person we're going to talk about, I got into my teens. <laughs> so it kind of... Co- <laughs> yeah. So these three bands kind of like Sabbath was my, was my childhood, and I've been with them since then. We'll get to Stuart Copeland. You talk to Stuart Copeland. The Police was my teenage years completely. Yeah. And uh, Stinson and the and the Mats were like I uh, discovered sort of rebellion shit in my early twenties, uh, late teens, early twenties, and the Mats were part of that. So you talk to Tommy Stinson. Tell me about that, man. That's awesome. Yeah, when I when I think of when I think of who to me really represents rock and roll, what I love about rock and roll, everything about, it, I think of two people. I I probably told you this before. I think of Keith Richards and I think of Tommy Stinson. Yeah, yeah. Because Tommy. Joins the replacements at twelve. Okay, yep. he's got he's got this entire rock and roll hall of fame caliber career with the replacements. Right, has done the reunion, has done all these things. Uh, was was at one point until very recently the longest tenured member of Guns N' Roses outside Axel. That's how long he had been. Is that in, right? He had. That's how long he had been in <laughs> Axel's band. I think Slash and Slash and Duff coming back now for seven years. They've surpassed him, but. For a, for a long time, it was him, wow. Dizzy Reed, and Axel. Those were wow. the three longest. Okay. Yeah. Holy cow. I didn't know that. He did like 12 years in Guns N' Roses. He's on the goofy Chinese Democracy album. You know, right. he's like, okay, so that's crazy. That's a whole crazy chapter. He was in Soul Asylum for seven years after yeah. their founding bassist, Carl Mueller, died. He joined. Yeah. He's done all of this stuff. He put out two albums with his band, Bash and Pop. He put out an album with his band, Perfect. He's scored a couple films. And he's 56 years old. <laughs> <laughs> he's younger than me. Like, 
That he's is fucking, insane. He's younger than me. <laughs> he was 12 when he started. Yeah, like, isn't that is, nuts, man? It's one of the craziest stories in the history of rock and roll. So you got to talk to him. Tell me about mm-hmm. that. He's got a new album. He's got a duo called uh, yeah. Cowboys in the Campfire. What's that all about? It's So it's really cool. Uh, so it's him and a guy named Chip Roberts, who is a just singer, songwriter, guitarist out of Philadelphia, um, who I think was related to his ex-wife, but he's still close to him. And they've toured this for a number of years. They've probably toured this for like six or seven years, uh, just kind of working on songs together when they could, because Tommy, as kind of just mentioned, is in Six Million Projects. Right. When they found time, you know, they were always writing, but when they when they found time, they would they would record. This album grew out of a five song recording session they did in Austin, Texas, in 2016 with John Doe from the punk band X. Mm-hmm. John Doe is on upright bass on those five tracks, and they they recorded with him. Uh, By the way, you have you ever interviewed John Doe? Yes, I have. He's fantastic. <laughs> and He's fantastic. We talked we talked about my one of my all time favorite films, Nick. Ah, uh, you talked about Roadhouse, did you not? Yes, we did. Yeah, of course yes, we did. did. I, I mentioned it to him, and he's like, "Oh man." He was, <laughs> no, I, 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 I've interviewed, uh, I've interviewed him a couple of times. He's a great interview. Fantastic. He's awesome. Yeah, he had yeah. a solo album out, and I was like, "I have to ask you one question about Roadhouse because yeah, of course, you have, you have to. to. You can't mm-hmm. not. I mean, yeah. he knows that. He knows that. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Anyway, uh, but, so you're saying <laughs> so John Doe plays upright bass on this Tommy Stinson album, Cowboys in the Campfire, and these songs are great. Um, you know, there's the first track, Tommy's on ukulele, backed by a horn section. Uh, five of the tracks have John Doe on upright bass. Uh, there's Chip Roberts plays this beautiful, like, I hate to use the word country, but when you hear slide guitar, it kind of conjures up that mental sure. image of, like, authentic country music. That's a backbone on, like, five or six of these tracks. You can't pigeonhole the album. It's all over the place, but it's really fantastic, and it rocks. And it's, to me, his songwriting, I mean, he he has said this, that, from 12 years old, the songwriter he was exposed to constantly was Paul Westerberg, right? So yeah, of course. All, all of these songs from learning alongside Paul have that pop sensibility that all the replacements great stuff had. And it's just the album is awesome. It's super cool. Very, very cool. I can't cool. recommend it strongly enough, yeah. Did you, uh, did you tell him uh, of your respect for him? Did you mention, did you say, hey, you and Keith Richards and that's it? Did you say that to him? I didn't say it. Okay. No, I didn't say it. <laughs> I would have loved to. I would have loved to have heard his response to that. Like, uh, he's know. the most normal guy in the world. Um, yeah. He, so he performed. Do you know where he performed, by the way, when he was here in April? And he's coming back in July. Where, where he performed when he was here? No, where did he yeah. perform? Liars Club. Oh, that's right. He did play Liars Club. Did, I mean, shit. if that's not perfect. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's per- I didn't even I, I wasn't even uh-huh. aware that Liars Club was still open. <laughs> I mean, it's still the same place on Fullerton. Uh-huh. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Cuz I haven't oh, yeah. been there. I mean, I'm not I I you know, I've been there since I quit drinking. I quit drinking a long time ago, but uh but That man, is the place to- you would want to avoid. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. no, no, no. Mm-hmm. I used to go, please. Oh yeah. Tell me. I yeah, I've been peeled off the floor of that fucking place several times. Um <laughs> well, and it was I love those... that place. I mean, I can't yeah, go there anymore, too, but, yeah. I, but I love that place. Yeah, it's one of my favorite places in the world to drink. Yeah, if I'm if I'm going there, I got to make sure the schedule is cleared for the next morning. <laughs> <laughs> I've been there, man. I felt the same way. You know, what's another place that I felt that way about. Um, I mean, there are several in my case because I'm a recovering yeah. alcoholic. But I used to drink like a maniac at that place, and at uh, I don't know for some reason I would get shit faced at Delilah's. Delilah's oh, yeah. was a, sure. that was another place where it was like, oh, we're going to Delilah's. Well, I'll be smashed by eight. 
You know what speaking, I mean? That's- speaking of Ozzy, we I, when I was going to Columbia College, we did a thing with Zach Wilde, who played guitar for yeah, Ozzy for a long time, yeah, who was yeah. just launching Black Label Society, his band. Sure. And the label rented out Delilah's. Oh, no. <laughs> and invited just media people, basically, to, to you know, pal around. Did with, they rent with out Zach the whole Wilde. downstairs and upstairs? Did the they whole, do- the whole oh, thing. You gotta and be kidding me. The tab was covered. <laughs> so we wind up. It's all it's all these corporate label people and like radio execs and Zach wants nothing to do with them. And there's me and my friend Brian were there from WCRX, the Columbia College radio station. Sure, right? man. Who yeah. are like, we're actually excited that Zach Wilde's here. So he sits down. He's like, who, who the hell are you two? Because we stick out, obviously, in yeah, this yeah. crowd. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and we yeah. Tell him we're like, college radio. He's like, college radio. All right. So he sits down and we proceed to just get. Blind drunk with Zach Wilde. Oh, until, that's awesome. Till Delilah's closes. We walk out. I was living with my parents still in Crestwood in the south suburbs. Oh, no. And my buddy Brian was in. It was same drill. We we're both going to Columbia. He's in Alsip. And he had driven. And he looks at me. And I go, I know. I know. We're not driving. Yeah. We walk out of Delilah's. It is snowing balls out. I'm like, this is great. We walked around yeah, diversity Lincoln there. Okay, that area. Yeah. I swear to God, until about six in the morning, until he's finally like, "All right, I think I can drive." The blizzard has subsided. <laughs> I think I can drive, and we got in the car and drove back to Crestwood. So now. did so, you? So so what? I mean, what happened at the end of the night? What did Zach, did Zach Wiles like? Hey, you guys uh, see you later? Or I mean, what? I, you know? Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. That's how that went. And yeah, I walk into my parents' house as my dad <laughs> is standing in the kitchen. <laughs> Make getting coffee as he's getting ready to go to work, and he takes one look at me, shakes his head, and just goes right back to what he's doing. <laughs> like this is Zach Wild. Uh, that's fantastic. Getting yeah. hammered with Zach Wild at Delilah's. Wow, that's mm-hmm. a great story. During yeah. a blizzard, that's mm-hmm. fucking great. That's mm-hmm. fantastic. I love the fact that it was all a bunch of suits and jagoffs there that he didn't want to deal with. I love that. He was telling the best stories too, because again, Chinese democracy. He's on well. Six million people were on those tracks right. at some point. Who actually right. made the album? Who God only knows. Yeah. But he was telling us these stories about recording Chinese Democracy with Axel. Yeah. And it was fascinating. Yeah. Oh man, I mean, and the and the time that guy spent in Ozzy's band mm-hmm. too. Ozzy. Right. He was friends with all the Alice in Chains guys. Absolutely. He was telling us Alice in Chains stories. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Getting drunk with Zach Wilde at Delilah's. That's pretty cool, man. <laughs> yeah. During a blizzard. I love that. That's the best story. I can't believe you've never told me that story. Before. That's fantastic. <laughs> it's fantastic. So Tommy Stinson. Tommy uh, Stinson, yeah. The record's great. And the and the uh and and the interview is at Forbes and uh and how did you was this one over the phone or over the uh, uh this was so we went Zoom? uh we went and did we went to the show in April and oh, right. he took portrait photos for us. He was right. kind enough to do that. We did them on the fire escape in the back outside Liars Club, which was really cool. And then yeah, yeah, the interview was over the phone. But he's got a really unique approach to touring right now. Like they're not playing conventional venues on this tour. They're playing literally, as his website puts it, in a cave. Yes, literally in a cave in uh Cedar Rapids, Iowa. No uh, they're playing breweries. They're playing mostly backyards. It's a lot of backyards. Wow. And he said he makes, a th- uh, what do you tell me? There's a specific number. I think he said he makes a third more gigging this way with smaller crowds than he does if he plays clubs. Wow. Because the wow. clubs try to take a cut of the merch now. It's, yeah. you know, there's the promoters taking a cut of the And tickets. it's also... 
It also, but but then it also makes him stand out, though. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. hey, I saw I saw Tommy Stinson playing a backyard. I mean, that's well, awesome. and you can walk up to him and have a conversation with him at Liars Club. He was just walking around the bar when we walked in. Just, yeah, you wanted to talk to Tommy, you could walk up and talk to Tommy. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it was pretty, pretty cool. cool. So it's a unique oh, approach to touring, and I really like it. That's cool, man. And that makes me just that makes me like Tommy Stinson. I don't even know if it's possible, but it makes me like him even more. <laughs> yeah. I mean, God, the replacements. What a band that meant that mm-hmm. how much that band meant to me when I discovered him. Like, I don't Same. know. Same. 20, maybe? When the you I, know, I'm trying to remember. Uh, that's when about did, when I found him when too, did because let, I missed him as a kid. When did Let It Be come out? Uh, uh I mean, what year? 85? Okay, I was 20. Ish. Yeah. So yeah, I'm saying nineteen twenty is when I discovered those guys. Um, and I mean, in the eighties, they were the fucking, that was it. <laughs> See, yeah, so like as a kid, I was, I was missing them then, but then, oh. and it's the same way I found the Pixies too, because all those nineties alternative bands would name check the replacements yeah. and the Pixies, of all, all of Nirvana, Kurt Cobain yep. was always the replacements and the Pixies. Yeah. And that's how I got into both of those yeah. bands. Yeah. Well, that's good, man. Well, you're a little like, you're, you're, that's, that's, that makes sense. Cause I'm 43. Yeah. 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 So you're like 12 years younger, 13, 14, 15 years younger than me. I don't know. You're 43, I'm 50, whatever. Uh-oh, wait a minute. Hold on a minute. How often does the train go by? So often you won't even notice it. All right. So we've covered uh, my favorite band of my childhood that I still love. That's Sabbath. We've covered yes. my favorite band from, like, coming into adulthood in my 20s, which would be the Mats. Now my favorite band from my teen years and still one of my favorite bands ever. Literally, mm-hmm. these three, I'm not kidding. These three no, are my, I'm, three, I'm, three of my me, favorite right bands ever. You talk to Stuart Copeland. Yeah, that was pretty oh, great. Oh, for Christ's sake. Okay, how, tell, me, tell me about this. So he was playing in Waukegan at the Genesee Theater. It was right. one, of only, one of only three American dates he had scheduled at the time. There had already been one in New York and one in L.A. And for some reason, there was also one in Waukegan, Illinois. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Stuart backed by a full orchestra doing oh. what he calls police deranged. Right. So it's he, as, as you know, did embarked upon this career scoring films yeah. uh, after after synchronicity the rumblefish man oh. mm-hmm. that was that was his first one and he oh. said it was the most important one because Coppola looked at him and said we need strings and it forced him to figure it out embrace yeah. strings and it changed the way he composed music so he's got this background where he can actually compose so he takes all these police songs and breaks them down and composes them for an orchestra um so these it's not just an orchestra backing him he is actually doing the compositions that you're hearing and he's the one saying it's going to be the woodwinds here and the brass here and that's so cool it's it's pretty cool so he did that in waukegan the album is coming out uh in two weeks it's called police deranged for orchestra and he's got a book coming out too based on his his diaries from like 76 and stuff like it's the earliest days of the police before andy summers even joined it starts there Right. And then takes you into uh, Landos. It's pretty cool. So tell me about the interview. What was it? Were you? Did you? Was it face to face? Was it Zoom phone? How'd you do it? So the interview was via uh, was over the phone, but we did do portrait photos with him too in Waukegan. Um, and those you can see the Barry Breckeisen, uh, my photographer, the best rock and roll photographer in the city, took those, and they look super cool. So Stuart, I mean, he was he's again he's such a normal yeah. guy. Like we couldn't believe it. Like. He's posing for because the way these work when when someone tours and does the the orchestra thing, it's always a different orchestra in each city, which I didn't know that until I went to see Stevie Wonder twice. And it was a different orchestra in Minneapolis than it was here. Yeah. And 
I guess that's pretty common. And the reason for it is because in the rock and roll world, they, they can improv, right? You can just jump in and, and start playing stuff with a lot of the classical musicians. They are trained to read, you know, a composition on sheet music and play it perfectly. They right. don't, whereas improv might be harder in that world. But so when he does these things, each city, you get a different orchestra in Chicago. It was the, uh, Chicago Federated Musicians were the group backing him, but he's up there. He's taking selfies with them on stage. Like they're all, you know, I mean, all these people are so excited just to be around him. And he was, he couldn't have been nicer. We yeah. sat there. He did a, he did a two and a half hour sound check running through the whole show from start to finish. Because again, he's never played with any of these musicians, right? Right, right, right. So they did a two and a half hour sound check. We watched that and, you know, again, he's, I think like 70 years old and he's up there just killing it for, you know, basically like five, five, six hours that night between soundcheck and the show. It's crazy. Man. Now, did the, I mean, I, I, I would always be hesitant to ask anybody but Sting about the police. The other, okay. the other two. You know what I mean? I had Andy Summers on my show. It was one of the. Uh, he's coming back to town, by the way. I'm, oh, I'm going to try to get him too. Yeah, yeah. you should because he's great. And I, and I, I, I remember uh, it was, we, we, we did it in the, uh, in the fishbowl uh, showcase studio. Okay. When we were in the Tribune building. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when you're on Michigan Avenue and you can look in. People can walk up, you know, and look into the showcase studio. It's not there anymore, but, but, you know. And I went to the bathroom. And there was a bathroom right out in the hallway. I went into the bathroom. And when I came back, when I came back in, Andy Summers was sitting in the guest seat, like four feet away from where I was going to be sitting. And, I was like, <laughs> and it didn't hit me until Hi, I saw Andy him Summers. sitting there. And I was like, holy shit, that's Andy Summers. And, um, and he couldn't have been cooler. And uh, I like to take credit for them reuniting in 2007. I personally like to take credit because what? Yeah, what is your? St- I remember you saying. Well, this. I said to him, you know, at the very end, because I didn't want to bring it up. He was, he was, he, you know, he was, um, he was promoting his book that he'd written at the time, um, right? Which, of course, covers. Oh yeah, I, I love that. But I have it's that one tremendous. Leader. Yeah, it's a great book. Yeah, um, it's really good. But I didn't want to ask him, "Are you guys ever going to get back together?" Because that kind of shit. Even though I'm like the biggest police right. fan in the world, but I did at the end. I'm like, I'm going to ask you. Before I let you go, I know it's never going to happen because you guys either don't get along or you hate each other. You're never, you know, I go, but what is the chance? What are, is there any chance that you guys will get back together? And this was like in 2006. So and yeah, right like, before it. Okay. He's, he's like, uh, okay, don't quote me on this, but, uh, and this was on the air. So don't quote me, even though you're saying it <laughs> on the radio. Um, he said, don't quote me on this, but I think there might be a chance that, uh, yeah, I think we might. And I went, <gasps> and I started to freak out. And then that was it. And then, <laughs> then like six months later, they were playing Wrigley and I went. And, uh, and so I like to take credit for that. That's, that's all there is to Very it. Very nice. But Andy, no, but Andy, Andy Summers, turns, he, he turns 81 this year, I by know. the way. People forget he, like the guy was the in old, the animals with Eric Burden. Oh, no. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's no. Crazy. He was the, he, by far the oldest of the, of the three yeah. dudes. Um, and again, um, and was was like a absolute musician when these dorks yeah. had him join mm-hmm. the band. That was um, one of Stuart's big things. Yeah, yeah. So what else did what else did what else came up during the conversation with with Stuart? Cole? Did you bring up the police? Well, yeah. I mean, so it was about his book, and it was about this police deranged. So yeah, it was an excuse to talk about the police with Stuart Copeland, which was right, amazing, right? Right. right yeah. And he said, he goes, uh, he said, I've asked Andy this question: What the hell was going through your mind as a guy who's making three times scale doing great session work and you're, you stuck it out alongside us. He goes, cause at the time he goes, right. He goes, I'm writing these terrible punk songs. And he goes, and I hate punk rock. He goes, but in order for us to get any work in the UK in 
the late seventies, you had to be doing punk. He yeah. goes, so these songs, he goes, none of us like these songs. He goes, and at the time we aren't even aware sting is going to become this great songwriter. We don't even know he's got the gear. He doesn't know it. And yeah. for some reason, Andy stuck it out, you know, after yeah. he goes and that, he goes, that's always really shocking to me. And he, uh, yeah. he said, Andy always brushes it off. How much, uh, how much did you talk about miles and, uh, and like his contribution to music? <laughs> I, well, <laughs> in no, general, we didn't not have, just the band, but you know, his, his brother, of course. Yeah, no, we didn't get into miles. Um, okay. But we got into, I mean, we talked a lot about the film scoring work, which I thought was really fascinating too. Cause again, I think it's this part. I don't, I don't know. Are people even, do they remember that he did all this work? I would, well, I don't know if people, I do because I'm a geek. Cause but, it's a significant but, body of work. Oh, yeah. Completely. I mean, yeah. like he worked with Oliver Stone on, on, uh, mm-hmm. on some stuff. And I mean, Matt, you still, and I go back and I know it's his first, but Rumblefish is my favorite Stuart Copeland score. Yeah, that uh, was the one he he kept bringing up. Rumblefish, that was the my one. Favorite. What, what are some What are some of the ones that you guys talked about? Uh, Rumblefish was the big one. Yeah, yeah, that was that was that was the main one because again, he just kept coming back to Coppola telling him he needed strings and what a big and what a big did, deal it was that did, it influenced him and in everything else he ever did. Am I nuts or did he do the uh, the TV show the um, the one with the uh, oh shit what's what's the, it, it 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 became a movie with Denzel Washington. Um, Shit! The British guy was in it. Starts with an E. The execution, not, sure. not the executioner. The uh, the uh, oh, son of a bitch. I'll I'll <laughs> I'll. Find, well, anyway, so what else did you talk to him? I'm going to look this up. What else did you talk to? Uh, I mean, sc- score wise, you talked about that kind of stuff too. Yeah, we got into. Uh, he told me a couple of his favorite uh, kind of under the radar. Well, they're not under the radar to you and I, but like the police songs, you don't necessarily hear on the radio all the time, and. He told me two of his favorites, and they're both. Uh, it was "Tea in the Sahara" and "Murder by Numbers," which I'm like, I love those songs. Great Are songs. You kidding me? Like, yeah, great songs. Um, um, oh, by the way, Equalizer. Okay. The Equalizer. I don't. If I, I'm not sure. I think Stuart Copeland did the music for the movie for the for the uh, for the TV show, The Equalizer. I might be nuts. Um, he said he, he's kind of done with that world now, but he said it also that in doing it, he complete. He said it took him years, but he's happy he did it. Completely changed and revamped his playing style to fit more with the classical playing. So it's interesting to watch him in those police deranged shows. Some of the clips are on YouTube because you could tell some tracks where where they stay kind of close to the original arrangement. He starts pounding it out like police style. And then there's other ones where you're like, oh, yeah, he is totally now trying to play with an orchestra. It's yeah. fascinating to watch that he's got both of those gears and can just on yeah. a dime I, well, change. I mean, I mean, the guy's extraordinary. I mean, he's just mm-hmm. extraordinary. One of the greatest drummers of all time, too. And one of the yes. most, and one of the most unique drummers. Like nobody plays. Mm-hmm. Like, I play drums, and nobody plays drums like that. Well, like, when I listen to Synchronicity, right? He's never taking over a song. There's never. It's never Neil Peart, right? Like no, yeah, it, Stuart's playing. It, but it's just him and Andy Summers is the same way. Like they both, yep. to me, say <clears throat> they serve the song at every moment. Like and, and Andy's yet, never Andy's never firing up for, for the most part, not firing off you know five minute solos or anything. Yeah, but his playing is him and Stuart both. It, their playing is perfect. It's so exquisite. It's, it's not. It's not just perfect for the song, but they're also doing shit that's extra. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like they're doing stuff that's weird. And yet somehow, I mean, that was what was the, 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 to me, that was what made that, that band magic. It was like these three disparately, completely different dudes. Right. Uh, with like different 
backgrounds and you know what I mean? Uh, mm-hmm. and, 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 and together, I don't know, they had no business working together the way they did and they right. didn't personally. I mean, that's what right. blew up ultimately, but man, when you know, you take those personalities and those backgrounds and those styles and put them together, nothing sounded like the police still to this day. He said they get all the three of them get along very well now. As long as, as long as, as long as they're not working together. He said they they get along even with the reunion. He said it was kind of the same way. Like when, cause, cause it's exactly what you just said, right? They've all, all three of them have extraordinarily different ideas on how this stuff should sound. And I think it got to a point where Sting didn't really want to hear any of it. (laughs) Yeah. I sting, man. I mean, play my fucking songs. Yeah. 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 Um, so, but Sting, you know, but uh, yeah, but those three guys, if there was a period of time that I, I remember seeing all the shit and reading all the stuff about oh, it, yeah. seeing mm-hmm. interviews during the synchronicity tour, Stuart Copeland wanted to kill Sting. He wanted to kill him. <laughs> uh, and, and, and Andy would just walk in and go, ah, oh, shit. You know, like that was kind of the position. It was like Andy would walk in. He was like fed up with both of them, but he's cool because he's Andy Summers. Right. He's a, yeah. But he and Sting, Sting and Stuart Copeland wanted to kill each other. They were there. <laughs> that synchronicity tour, I was reading about this too. It launched at Comiskey Park. Did you I was there. That I was okay. there. I was That's there, awesome. man. Yeah, no, no, no. I was there. I, I saw him on that tour probably five times on that tour. Um, I've seen the police. I don't of all the bands I've besides maybe, well, maybe I've seen Dave Moore, but of all the bands that I've seen in any iteration. I've seen the police and its offshoots more okay. like, like I've seen the police. I, I don't know, 11, 12 times when they were together, something like that. Nice. Uh, wow. 12. Yeah. 12, at least 12 times. Sting. All I saw was the Wrigley reunion. That was it for uh, me. Yeah. Uh, I saw that. I was there for that. And I would sting. I saw him solo 900 times. Saw Andy Summers by himself a bunch of times. I saw him and Robert Fripp. Uh, together a couple of times. I saw Stuart Copeland. You know, so, I mean, like, those guys, whatever they did, I saw them, like, you know, and, and Stuart, you said Stuart's coming back. Uh, Andy, yeah. Andy's Andy coming is. back. Yeah, Andy's coming back, so. Couple of uh, shows, yeah. One in yeah. Skokie, one in Urbana, strangely, yeah. Yeah, so I will be at the Skokie show, for sure. No question. Yeah, that's, uh, I, I would really like to interview him. That would be pretty cool. Uh, he's a cool dude, man. He's a, he's, yeah. he's, he's very cool. And uh, that's, that's not, that's not an opportunity I thought I was going to get, honestly, was seeing, seeing him live at this point. I thought yeah. that ship probably had sailed. Yeah, 81 years old, man. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's still out there. God, he's, yeah. and he's, he's, and he's cool as hell, man. You, you'll get a great interview out of him, too. And I'm glad nice. that the, I'm glad that Stuart worked out for you and he was so cool. And it's, it's, I'm not surprised. You know what I mean? And, and I, you know, I back Sting uh, far, far, far uh, much. I, he, I, he was I really be- complimentary of Sting. He said, yeah. he, goes, he goes, I have to admit, he goes, all those years where I'm just sitting behind him, looking at the back of his head, you know, banging away, <laughs> yeah. not listening to any of this stuff. He goes, when I start listening to him in really great detail to break them down for these compositions, because I have to admit the guy's kind of a, a genius. Oh, yeah. And his well, his but, joke was, don't tell him I said that. Don't. Yeah. 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 But you don't have to. I mean, th- now you can go back and look at it because you didn't have to work with the fucking right. guy every night. Right. I mean, there's a big difference because I work with people that were a pain in the ass. Yeah. Who, who were extraordinarily talented. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, like, but working with them, I was like, I can't work with this fucking person well, ever again. Everyone, every time I've interviewed John Fogarty, someone says to me, <laughs> how, how was that guy? Was he an asshole? And I go, no, he was absolutely fantastic. But I don't have to work with him. Exactly. No, exactly right. Uh, yeah. So anyway. All right. Well, Stuart Copeland, Tommy Stinson, yeah. and Geezer Butler, three heroes. Uh, mm-hmm. That's fantastic, man. Congrats on, on on being able to talk to those dudes and having the all that stuff be out there. Daily Herald for for Stuart Copeland. Yep. Uh, Forbes for the other two, but Radio Jim Ryan <laughs> for all of them. All right. You went to some concerts. 
All right. Uh, I'm heading out. I'm heading out to whatever they're calling that Tinley Park place. I'm now. sorry. I'm sorry. Whatever, I hope you fare what, better. Whatever the fuck they're calling it now. Bank Village. What I don't even know what it is anymore. Credit Union One Amphitheater, not to be confused with Credit <laughs> Union One Arena, which is right. the UIC Pavilion. Exactly. All right. Well, yeah. I'm going to the Tinley Park place. Okay. With some friends to see <laughs> Foreigner and Journey. Okay. It's, well, you're. It's, wait, who Foreigner and who? Journey. Is it Journey? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't think it was Journey. Okay. No, it's Foreigner and Journey, and Foreigner's headlining. I don't know how that. That is. Wait, I don't think Journey's on this bill. I'm oh, gonna pull it up. Someone told me it's Lover Boy. Oh, it is Loverboy. You're right. It's Loverboy. It is Loverboy. Okay. No, 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 no. You're right. Where the f- who, who, where's Journey playing? Someone, uh... I don't know. I okay. think they're all, the, did you see all the headlines on their last tour? They were another one who was, it was shocking. Yeah. They didn't kill each other on stage. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm sorry. You're right. It's Loverboy. It is Loverboy. It's Foreigner and Loverboy. Yes. Uh, and Foreigner is headlining, which I guess makes sense. Um, but anyway, I'm, I'm heading out there, but you had an interesting little story. We've all, we all have had our stories about that fantastic place in Tinley Park. Oh my God. Um, tell the Janet Jackson story. Now you were going to see Janet Jackson and I will say this, the last time I was there, it was fine. Uh, I went with Esmeralda and her boyfriend, Colin and, uh, drove out there, parked the car, saw the show left, didn't have any problem getting in, didn't have any problem getting out. Took some time to get out because there were, you know, a lot of people. But we got there, and we saw Garbage and Tears for Fears, and it was fantastic. And the show, you were there. I was there, uh, yes, yes. Yes. Great show. Great no show. Problem, no problem getting in. Yeah. Right. That's a, that was my last time at Tinley, and before that, I don't even rem- remember the last time I was there. But you went to cover the Janet Jackson show. What, what the fuck? <laughs> well, and so I told this story on, on Channel 9, by the way, and they made me look like a complete idiot. So I appreciate you not doing that. But anyway. No, I won't do that. I don't work for that stupid company anymore. Mm-hmm. But go ahead. Um, so, I mean, I, like I've been to sold out shows there, right? Like Paul McCartney sold out with no opener where everyone's going to get there at the same time. You know it, you leave early, right? Jimmy Buffett, same way. Usually not an opener. You got to get there early. And once you hit kind of that area near, you know, it might take 20 or 30 minutes to get down Harlem Avenue and get in and get parked and get situated. I expect that that's fine. It's 30,000 people showing up in a suburb at the same time. It's going to happen certainly we've had issues getting out of there. That's usually the nightmare scenario, right? Where you're waiting, 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 where you're really stuck is, is getting out of there when everyone's leaving at the same time. I, like, like I said, grew up in the South suburbs. I have gone to that venue since 1994 was my first show there, almost 30 years. And I've never had an issue like I had with the Janet Jackson concert, which was we grabbed a bite to eat because my cousin, who's a guitar player, was was playing at a brewery down the street. So we, we went to see him and grabbed a bite to eat. That was on 183rd Street, just west of Harlem. We were a mile and a half <laughs> from the venue. Yeah. A 745 start. Now, with an opener, Ludacris was opening. So we know, okay, this, this shouldn't technically be as bad because you're not everyone's going to get there at the same time. It's going to be split a little with an opening act. That's great. Sure, sure. So we walk out of... We walk out of the, the restaurant that we're at with a mile and a half drive to the venue. And for some reason, I pulled it up on my phone and I, I look and I go, I said to my photographer, I go, well, this can't be right. He goes, what does it say? I go, it says it's going to take an hour 20 if we go down Harlem and it's going to take 47 minutes if we go down 183rd. And he's like, well, we'll go down 183rd to Oak Park. I'm like, okay, that's kind of in the back way. I'm like, that can't be right. It was not right. It took like twice that long. Oh, man. <laughs> we walked out. 
at 7.30 and got in the car, and we sat down in our seats at 10.03, and the concert ended at 10.45. How in God's name? All right, now, first of all, what now at the, the, the venue itself, the lot was full, correct? So, yeah, so this, this was the issue, right? So, and this was my favorite quote that I heard from anyone the whole evening. As we were walking, I'm kind of complaining out loud, and a Tinley Park officer of the law says to me, I go, I go, what is the problem here? And he goes, he goes, what do you mean? What is the problem? It's sold out. I go, I've come to sold out shows here for 30 years. And he yeah. goes, yeah, but not this sold out. I go, wait, 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 wait. I go, what does that mean? I go, there's, there isn't varying levels of sold out. Sold out means a certain number, a certain number of cars, a certain number of tickets sold, a certain fucking number of people right. that you don't exceed. What? You've been doing this for 30 years. There aren't varying levels of sold out. No, not and this Barry, sold out. At this point, Barry grabs me and he goes, he goes, let's, he goes, that is a cop. Let's go. Because I'm starting to yell at this. Pl- like, what are you, right. there, had this sold out? I'm like, oh my God. So, Nick, we sat on 183rd Street oh, between man. Harlem and Oak Park for about two hours. Oh, I got out of the car at one point and went into a bar across the street, used the bathroom, came back. The car was in the same spot. Oh, my went God. Went into the restaurant at 183rd in Harlem and offered the bartender 50 bucks to let us just leave the car there and walk the rest of the way. That didn't work. Um, people were parking. I talked to one person who ran out of gas. <laughs> Unbelievable. I talked okay. to another person who le- who left her parked in a subdivision off Oak Park Avenue and walked two miles across the interstate. Was her car there when she got back? Yes. You know? Yes. It was. It was. So, okay. Ultimately, did you discover why this happened? I mean, why so, a, a, yeah. a, a fuck up of this biblical proportion were to happen? <laughs> yeah. Well, let me just say that the concert was sold out. and yeah, they blew, But not they blew this out, sold out. <laughs> and they blew out $25 lawn tickets in the run up to the concert. Uh, I don't know. You, you. I don't want to connect dots that aren't yeah, yeah. there. I just, okay. but I'll, I'll make All that right. observation. Yeah, and then they ran out of parking. That's unbelievable, man. The parking lots were full, and they were funneling people to the backup lots. The backup lots being Odyssey Fun World, Adult Entertainment, so, you know, a child like a fucking arcade, and CarMax. <laughs> you can't make this up, CarMax. Oh my God, that is so, unbelievable. When we turned to the corner from 183rd onto Oak Park Avenue and saw that it was still not going to move, I got out of the car and walked all the way up to 191st Street where the Odyssey Fun World is because we were curious. We were like, it's now getting to a point where we're like, do we leave? Are we going to yeah. catch any of this? Like, what yeah, is? Yeah. So I walk up there and again, so this is an arcade with right. one entrance into a small lot and... That is choking down traffic that is coming in from eastbound 191st, northbound Oak Park, and southbound Oak Park. They were choking traffic down from three directions, two major streets, an interstate nearby to get into one entrance into the Odyssey Fun World parking lot. Unbelievable. So I walk. And then from the parking lot, you had to walk back to the venue. Well, yeah. So I walk from Odyssey Fun World back. To 183rd Street, and I get in the car, and Barry goes, "Does it look better up there?" I go, "No, <laughs> I go, it looks worse." And he goes, "He goes, fuck this." He goes, "Let's go park at Target." I'm like, <laughs> "Okay." I go, "But you're risking getting towed there. That's illegal." 
And he's like, I don't care. He goes, he goes at this point, he goes, it's either that or we like, don't catch any of it. How are they going to get a tow? They're not going to get a tow truck in right. there anyway. Right, right. I mean, right. Yeah, no point, kidding. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's going to take 10 hours for a tow truck driver to get there yeah. anyway. Oh. So we, did, right, so we we drove we pulled out of that line went to the went to Target shot over to the Target at 191st in Harlem yeah. parked there walked over uh and sat down at 10:03 and the show ended at 10:45 So <laughs> did you did you at least did you at least get to see her do control was it uh not control no, no! We, we saw a couple <laughs> off we did see a couple off Rhythm Nation but we did not see control That's unbelievable that's unbelievable. Well, I don't see, I don't foresee that happening with Loverboy and Foreigner. I don't think that that's going to be. <laughs> you don't think it'll be as sold out? I as don't think it'll Janet be Jackson? as sold out as Janet Jackson and Ludacris. Man. Yeah. The other wow. thing, I, the other thing I will tell you that that many fans pointed out. Again, I was in a car, so I was unable to to see this for myself. So take this for its worth, but. A lot of people seem to indicate that they weren't seeing a whole lot of employees around, whether it was to direct traffic, whether it was to mm. man security checkpoints, let people in. And it certainly seems kind of in line with what we yeah. see everywhere wow. now. Hard to staff properly. Hard to staff properly. All right. Well, the Janet Jackson fiasco. Uh, <laughs> wow. Hey, listen, you talk to Stuart Copeland, Tommy Stinson and Geezer Butler. So yeah. don't worry about it. You're all good. That all makes up for it. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything coming up that you're looking forward to? Uh. You know what? Just Besides the, Foreigner and Loverboy, <laughs> the cure—the cure was so good last oh, week. I, like yeah, nothing's yeah. going to top the the cure and Depeche Mode, man. This year so far, those yeah. I don't know how anything is going to top those two. Yeah. Um, Noel Gallagher and uh, Garbage uh, in a couple weeks. Mm. Unfortunately, it's at Northerly Island, but that should be good. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Cool. All right. Well, I'll be heading Northern Island too for Dave. That'll be uh, okay. That'll be. I'm, I'm sorry. Not, yeah, I know. <laughs> You sorry because I'm going to see Dave, or you're sorry because no, I'm, going I'm to sorry because you're going to Northerly Island. Yeah, me too. All right, well, yeah, you know, all right. Okay, well, Jim, uh, thanks, man. Uh, great as usual, and Thank I'm glad you, that you're not uh, that that the car was still there when you got back to Target. <laughs> Appreciate that. Okay, buddy. I'll see you later. See ya. There's uh, Jim. Jim Ryan, everybody. <laughs> all right, let's uh, let's get over and say hello to Esmeralda Leon, who might still be in Tinley Park from the Tears for Fears concert that we went to last summer. I don't know. Esmeralda. Yeah, Esmeralda Leon, yeah, Esma, I'm talking about that Esma, Esmeralda Leon, yeah, Esmeralda, yeah, yeah, oh, Esmeralda Leon, yeah, yeah, get yourself some Esma, love me some Esma. Yeah. That's right. You hear the theme, you know what it means. It means Esmeralda Leon is here. Hi, Esmeralda. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Uh, not bad. Pretty cool. Uh, last night good. went to the went to the <laughs> went went to the Pickwick Theater last night in beautiful Park Ridge. Ooh. Nice. Uh, and they have the big mega screen there, the biggest screen in the city, and they showed Jaws on the big screen. Oh. And it was packed. Was it Jaws 3D? No, it was not. <laughs> Although that did come up. We did discuss Jaws 3D last night because, yeah. uh, you know, you have to. Uh, no, it was the right. original Jaws, the, the original masterpiece Jaws. And it's still, I'm telling you, man, that movie is almost 50 years old, and it's still, uh, it's incredible. It's just so great. And... The place was packed, 
packed. It was amazing. Yeah. And uh, so does Jaws still hold up? Like the the Jaws, the shark Jaws. Well, you know, the shark was always. What a was his pu- name? Bruce. Did he have a, it didn't have a name. Oh, it did have a name. Bruce. Yeah, Bruce was his name. Bruce. Yes, Bruce. <laughs> uh, it was named after. It was named after a crew member. Oh, but not in the movie. Okay. Oh no 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 no. <laughs> the the actual mechanical shark was named Bruce. That's what they called him Could on you- the set. Could you imagine if in the movie his yeah, they name was him. Bruce? <laughs> oh my God! It's Bruce, Bruce is coming. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Bruce, uh, it would be actually that would actually be really fun, and um, advertising. Yeah, because it would just be like Bruce is coming. Well, that would be like Jaws two, Bruce returns. You know, that would be. Yeah. Like, it would have been I called. Would've, it, I would have liked it. It would have been called Bruce three D. Bruce 3D. Bruce. But it's it was named Bruce. It was named Bruce because of uh, a cast or not a cast member, a crew member who helped build the thing. And the I don't know if you know this or not, but like the movie did not turn out the way Spielberg originally had intended it because you only mm-hmm. see the shark in the last like third of the movie. Yeah. Um, like yeah, very, yeah. you know, you only see him. He only makes a couple of big appearances, like when he crunches on uh, Quint at the end when he chews on Robert Shaw. You get to see him jump on the boat and like you know chew on him, and that's really the only time you get to see the the shark. But that originally was not the intention, and the reason why you don't see him so much is because the shark was was fucked up all the time because they were right. in, they were in salt water, and it was a mechanical shark with you know like Oof. plastic and rubber, and the salt yeah. water ate away at it, and it malfunctioned constantly. So because they had so much trouble with the actual shark, you don't see it as much. And as a result, the movie turns out to be scarier, you know? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Less is more. Yeah, yeah. So it was funny because, like, the place was packed last night. It was absolutely packed. So there, I mean, whatever, I guess it's like over 500, 600 seats in the big theater at the Pickwick. Mm-hmm. And it, you couldn't get a seat. The popcorn line was like a mile. The popcorn line reached the downstairs bathroom for the men's room. That's how long. Oh my it was. goodness! Um, Yikes. I mean, it was packed, and and uh, it was funny because like when the movie ended, because there were a lot of younger people there, and God bless, you know, the parents were like, "Hey, I'm going to take you to see a movie that I saw when I was young," and blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. But it was so funny. There was a group of people sitting behind me, and everybody had a great time. And there were a lot of us there that knew the movie by heart, and so there were certain like lines of dialogue or moments with, that got applause. You know what I mean? Like, cause, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because us old dorks were like, "Yay!" Yay! He just did the uh, USS Indianapolis monologue. Yeah, you know all that stuff. Yeah. Um. But when it was over, when the lights came up and it was over, uh, this a woman with like some kids and some other. They had a big group behind us, and she's like, "What did you think?" And one of the kids goes, "It was hilarious." <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> you watch it now, you're just like, "What the hell?" <laughs> uh, yeah, it was hilarious. I just thought it was great because I remember when that movie came out, it terrified everyone. People wouldn't even go into pools. You know what I mean? Like Good they were so Lord. scared, so scared of water that they were like, "I'm not going into a pool. There might be a shark in the vents." You know what I mean? Like, it was like... <laughs> a giant shark might be in this kiddie pool. No, mm. no, I understand. I ain't the, chancing it. I understand the guy who owns the pool is named Bruce. Uh, uh-uh, uh, no, I'm not yeah. going. <laughs> so. But no, it was what's fun to see. One, what's the Jaws where they they're um, it's it's a uh, like a water park. That's Jaws 3D situation. Yeah, that's Jaws oh, is 3D. that Jaws 3D? Okay, yeah, that's Jaws 3D. <laughs> uh, Dennis Quaid, Bess Armstrong, um, Lou Gossett Jr. Yeah, 
uh, yeah. or in Jaws 3D. Jaws 2 was just Roy Scheider. Uh, Robert Shaw gets killed in the first one, so he couldn't come back. Richard Dreyfuss read the script and went, kiss my ass. Um, but, like, Scheider was contractually ar- uh, uh, obligated. Mm-hmm. So Roy Scheider had, was, you know, contra- he, had a, he had a contract with, with Universal Pictures, so he had to do the second one. He didn't even want to do it either. The third one was in 3D, and the fourth one is considered <laughs> widely considered the worst, one of the worst movies ever made. It's called Jaws the Revenge. <laughs> and the only original cast member from that one is Lane, Lorraine Gary, and Lorraine Gary is in the first two. She plays Roy Scheider's wife. Okay, but why the hell is Michael Caine in it? <laughs> because, uh, and he will tell you, uh, because it was a trip to the Bahamas and it paid for one of his houses. That's why he's I mean, in it. I mean, that's not bad. <laughs> no. Hey, now, he'd be the first to admit it. He's like, I don't even, I don't care. I was in the Bahamas for two months and I got an, I think it like paid for one of his swimming pools, the, the movie. Yeah. I and mean, he admits a job, right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and it's one of the worst, and it's literally one of the worst movies ever made. At one point in the movie, uh, Michael Caine has fallen overboard on a boat. Mm-hmm. And he jumps back up on the boat, and literally they cut away. They cut back. His 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 clothes are dry, like he's like, oh wow. It's like that <laughs> so quickly. It's that hot it's, out. It, yeah, <laughs> evidently. But the only reason Lorraine Gary is in it is because she's married to the producer. That's why she is in the first one. <laughs> you know, she's also in 1941. She's in uh, uh, Steven Spielberg's 1941 as well. But yeah. But anyway, she's the only original cast member in Jaws. The fourth one is widely considered one of the worst movies ever made. Uh, it really is. The third one's fun because it's in 3D and it's goofy. Yeah. But uh, but nothing compares to the first one, man. I mean, that is... Of course, yeah. It's just legendary. And watching it with a full house, you know, and everybody loved it. Even the kids who thought it was hilarious loved it, you know. Um, yeah, it was cool. And, my, and Matthew uh, Hoffman is the guy who programs the classic film series at the beautiful uh, Pickwick and Park Ridge. And, mm-hmm. you know, the future of the the classic film series at the Park Ridge was kind of up for grabs because the Pickwick went through ownership changes over the past year. Mm-hmm. And they weren't sure whether they were going to continue or what was going to happen, but it's going to continue. He announced it last night that, in fact, in the fall, a brand new season will be announced, which is awesome. Oh, very exciting. Yeah. So in September, once a month, you can see a classic movie at the beautiful Pickwick. And I highly recommend it because... Matthew does a great job. He's a good guy and um, and knows his movies. And he dressed up like Robert Shaw last night. He was dressed up like Quint. Nice. So, and he always dresses up. He always dresses up. And they, ha- they always have like lovely girl co-hosts, you know, lovely ladies there and stuff. And he really does a good, he does a great job. Jay, Jay Warren plays the big Woolitzer organ beforehand. It's a lot of fun. Oh, cool. Yeah. So it was, it was a good night. And, uh, you know, Park Ridge is a lovely, lovely area. But man, I'm telling you, I didn't realize that Park Ridge was party central. <laughs> I got off the train. Well, they last have night. that. Yeah, they have that like little downtown, and the fact yeah. that you can get off the train so easily—it's literally right there. Like the metro yeah. is right there, and the and the bus station is right there, and it's you're in the heart of downtown. When I was walking from the train to the theater last night before the movie, man, people out drinking, eating. Way it was party central in downtown Park Ridge. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, well then, yeah, it was fun. But yeah, now I'm, you know, I and you know, it was funny because I was talking to them beforehand. I was talking to Matthew beforehand, and some of the people that help him out. Um, and one of the 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 girl who did the introduction to the movie last night, uh, is like, I'm a Jaws three apologist because she loves Jaws three. She loves Jaws three (laughs) D. It was talking about how much she loves Jaws three D. So that was great. So and she also loves Exorcist three. I was like, do you just like the third in all the series? Is that 
the threes, yeah? yeah. Maybe. She's like, there's something special about them. <laughs> yeah, about the third one. But The Third Exorcist is a great movie. Have you ever seen the third one? I don't Th- think I have. Those the, the later ones start to get a little too creepy for me. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, the first one's pretty creepy. <laughs> yeah, it one. is, but it's not like the other ones. The other ones, I think, started to go a little like... Because there's an element of like kitsch now as yeah. you watch the first Exorcist. Yeah. Uh, but the I other one that... seemed to take for me a scarier Well, turn. The th- Exorcist 3 is legitimately a great movie. Um, you know, the other ones you can take or, you know, or, or leave. But the third one, Exorcist 3, is that's what George C. Scott, it's a scary fucking movie. It's really scary and really, really creepy. And it has one of the greatest jump scares in the history of film. There's a scene in the movie. I don't know if you, if I describe it to you, maybe you'll remember because it's literally one of the landmark and greatest jump scares where you're like, yeah, you literally jump the fuck out of your seat. It involves <laughs> it involves it involves a nurse doing her she checking her stations and rooms in the middle of the night mm-hmm. in, a, in a hospital, mm-hmm. and she's checking the rooms and it's a very long take where the camera's down the end of the hall and as the nurse is checking her rooms, what seems to be forever, she walks across the room and suddenly a guy behind her with a white cloak and a hood and a giant pair of shears cuts her head off, like jumps out Oof. and it. and it's like it, but he doesn't cut her head off on screen. He he is behind her, like he he appears behind yeah. her with the with these shears. It is if you if you Google Exorcist three jump scare, yeah, it is literally one of the greatest jump out of your seat scares in the history of movies. It really is, uh, and it's still like to this day. I've seen I've seen Exorcist three seventy five thousand times, and every time it happens, I'm like, yeah, shit. <laughs> you know, it's it's great. It's great. So, but uh, yeah, all right. Uh, I was trying to convince him to, uh, you know, he, he's because Roy, we started talking about Roy Scheider last night because Roy Scheider obviously rules the planet and he's in Jaws Mm -hmm. and he wants to show French Connection in the fall, which has Roy Scheider. I mean, the star of the movie is Gene Hackman, but it has Roy Scheider in it. So, right. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, man. Oh, you know who loves uh, the French Connection? Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. Hi, Carrie. How are Hi, you? Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and yeah. I love Nick's show. She's, she's wearing a French Connection t-shirt as well. I don't know if you know. Oh, wow. That. Yeah. She, really she just had that one. She always has it, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so, um, so we've got... Now, where are we on this? Gentlemen, Michael Bolton. Where... So uh, are we are we in Mexico now? Where are we? Per, per, oh, yeah. Go Portugal or something. Are we in Portugal? Because I remember he went from like Mexico to someplace like near the other side of the world. Right. We're not. We haven't. We're not. We haven't gone to Portugal yet. Oh, OK. We're Nick. not in Portugal yet. OK. <laughs> of course. Come on. Sorry. I'm sorry. Right? Um, we're preparing for Michael that. Michael Bolton. Yeah. So we're preparing, okay, for that. Yes, we'll be there uh, next week. Next week. But we did go to Mexico. The 27th. Yeah, so. Get that coat out of my face! So we had that. Um, yeah, we were we were there during the show. We were there on the Oh, 12th. that's right. We were there on the... That's. <laughs> and the 9th, we were in Mexico. That's right, we were. So we got Get this. Get that coat out of my face! That's right. Yeah, it was quite fun. Yeah. Quite a I whirlwind. Bet. A whirlwind tour for Michael Bolton. Yes. Yeah. Well, right. still going. So still we're in the going. middle of this. World. That's right. As we as we follow Michael Bolton across the uh, across the yeah. world. 
Yeah, we're uh, going to Portugal soon, and then yep. we'll be in Spain. Is he going to play here? Berwin. Anything? Is he playing there at all, or no? Uh, no. <laughs> He's not. We're not going to. Yeah, we're not going to see him in our old hometown. No town. Berwin. Oh, okay. No. Hey, speaking of. Berwin. You know you can if uh, if you really really want to. I don't I don't know how much weight this holds, but if you go to the web the Michael Bolton official website michaelbolton.com, yeah. yeah. He does have a button under the tour, don't see a show near you? Request a show. Oh. So I guess if enough people <laughs> probably request that show. So here's what he we need to do. Probably would think about it. We need to load up. We need to go to Michael we need to go to and Gentlemen Michael Bolton. We need to go to his website and just 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 incessantly leave this. Berwin. All over it. That's yeah. what we need. Berwin. That's what we so need. Go to, to Berwin, Michael. That's right. There's a lot. It's there's amazing a lot. there. Berwin. You can play Fitzgerald's is in Berwin. Berwin. It's a great place. I'm sure you would love it. So. Hey, by the way, speaking of Berwin, um, I -hmm. think, well, you know, a lot of people might know this, not know this or not, but all the single tickets and all the packages are now available for Flashback Weekend. Oh, very Uh, nice. Which is August 4th through the 6th. It's the greatest horror convention in the world at the the Hyatt Regency O'Hare. And Esmeralda, you will be there again, uh, as you were last Mm -hmm. year, Mm co-hosting a live version of this very podcast on stage. Um, with some very cool celebrity guests, and I have a feeling that we might actually hear from someone who might stop by. I'm not. That's a little hint. So anyway, so tickets are on sale. You check out flashbackweekend.com for the incredible lineup of special guests. And I will be uh, actually featuring on this podcast uh, in July leading up to the uh, to the convention. Uh, we're going to have a few guests from the convention on to plug the convention and talk about what's going to happen that weekend. Very cool. Very cool stuff. Scream reunion, Terrifier reunion, Christine reunion, and the car is going to be there. The Christine car is going to be there. Nice. And tons of other really cool stuff. So, all right. Hey, uh, we uh, have the magic megaphone. As you know, Esmeralda, it's a very popular segment, mm-hmm. especially for you. I know you love it. I love the magic megaphone. <laughs> Well, the magic I hold it dear in my heart. I know you do. Megaphone. I know you do. Um, and people love to to leave messages. So here's the deal: if you want me to speak into the megaphone or record something into the megaphone, be a part of the podcast, uh, a joke, an inside joke, some sort of message, whatever, some statement you want to make, leave it on the voicemail at seven seven three four one seven six nine four eight, or leave it as an email, nickdpodcast at gmail dot com. All right. So we have one. Uh, as we often do, actually, as we always do. And so, you know, if we don't get to yours right away, please don't let that deter you from leaving your right. magic megaphone. Keep listening. Request. We'll get yes, to it. You will get to it. Well, Jeff and Park Ridge left one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll just play it. This is a statement that he wanted me to say into the megaphone. Okay. And I'll just say it and then we can, we can talk a little bit about it afterwards. But here it is. You ready? Mm-hmm. Okay, what the hell? Okay. Hold on. All right. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> a little confused. Okay, here we go. Steve Harvey is no Richard Dawson. Steve Harvey is no Richard Dawson. Steve so, Harvey is no Richard Dawson. Right. So Steve Harvey. Is yeah. All right. No. Okay, okay. So you you heard that, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Steve Harvey is no Richard Dawson. Is what Jeff and Park Ridge. Park. By the way, I didn't even realize this. Park Ridge. 
where I was last night. Yeah, where there you go. Night. Didn't even realize that. Yes, uh, maybe he was there. Maybe Jeff was at Jaws last night. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, and the reason why Jeff said that is because J- Jeff says, I don't know about you, but I don't like Steve Harvey as the host of Family Feud. He thinks he's really funny, but he isn't, and he's no Richard Dawson. So I want you to say Steve Harvey is no Richard Dawson. So mm. uh, so he's not a fan of Steve Harvey. Are you a fan of Steve Harvey as the host? I don't, the- I don't mind him. I don't mind him as the host. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, Richard, what's his face? Dawson. Creepy. Yeah, no, creepy. Yeah, I mean, well, in the seventies, it was okay to be. It was, it was much more acceptable to be creepy and kissy in the seventies than it is, than it is now. Well, it was a little, you know, it was a weirder time then. Everybody was kissing everybody and walking around with their balls hanging out, so it was fine. But, uh, <laughs> but no, Richard Dawson, by all accounts, was also a jagoff. Um, yeah, uh, a really, you know, really narcissistic jagoff who, he, you know, he began his career. Well, he began his career. Uh, you know, uh, as a stand-up comedian, and then he got Hogan's Heroes. Mm-hmm. And he was a regular on Hogan's Heroes, and then he was also on Laughing, and then he was trying to do comedy, and then he got Match Game, the original Match Game in 1973, mm-hmm. um, as one of the three regulars. The three regulars were um, Richard Dawson, Charles Nelson Riley, who rules the planet, um, and Brett Summers, who is my favorite ever. And and then that's where he like really became well known was on Match Game and then that got him Family Feud and when he got Family Feud I don't know if you ever watched the reruns of Match Game if you ever watched the reruns of Match Game in the last year and a half that Richard Dawson was a part of it mm-hmm. he's unbearable he's unbearable Ugh. because he had Family Feud but he was still congrat- contractually obligated to appear on. Um, on match game, even though he yeah. thought he was he was a hot shot, you know, because he was the host of Family Feud. Of course. And, you know, at that point, it seemed beneath him to just be a panelist on match game when he was the host of Family Feud. And he made it completely known that he didn't want to be there. He was a dick. Like the last <laughs> the last like almost two years of his tenure at match game. He's unbearably prickish. I mean, it's mm-hmm. unbelievable. He's at one point like he he would not make eye contact and he wore sunglasses, um, and he was a dick. He was a dick. If you watch those episodes, it's like man. Once he got Family Feud, he became a dick. Um, and and it, but the first few seasons, you know, first few seasons he was on Match Game, witty and funny, and everybody chose him. You know, when you when you do the the bonus, everybody picks mm-hmm. Richard. Um. So yeah, but. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, he's I guess he's considered I mean, I guess he's the he's the quintessential host of Family Feud. You know, they went through a bunch of different hosts on Family Feud. Do you remember yeah. some of the yeah, some yeah, of the other yeah. hosts? Um, I remember um the guy who was on uh the show with uh Tim Allen. <laughs> Tim Allen, yeah. Yeah. Uh that Richard guy. Karn. Richard Karn, yeah, Richard Karn from Home Improvement. He was one of yeah, the Yeah, I remember the other... I don't remember his name, but he was the one he killed himself, I think. Uh, yes, it was... Uh, Blonde. Yes. Blonde guy. Uh, why am I blanking on his name? Um, oh, shit. And I'm blanking on his name. He was really annoying, too. Uh, short guy, <laughs> short, blonde-haired guy. Uh, Ray Combs. Ray Combs, right. Ray Combs, because there was Ray Combs. There was Richard, Richard Dreyfus. Yeah, Richard Dreyfus from Jaws. <laughs> That's in my brain. Uh, so Richard Dawson, and then you had Ray Combs, and you had. Um, I liked John O'Hurley. John O'Hurley was a host. Yes, that's right. Yes. Mr. Peterman and uh, Louis Anderson. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Louis Anderson hosted Family Feud. And then all those guys led up to Steve Harvey, who has been, I think, the most popular host since Richard Dawson. And for a younger generation, he is the host of Family Feud. You know what I mean? For people who were too yeah. young to remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just have an issue. With the, the only issue that I have with the Steve Harvey Family Feud is that to me, and I'm going to sound like an old fuddy-duddy, um, but every question that they do, at least one or two of the questions that they do, has some sort of weird sexual angle to it. So that's Yeah, have Harvey- you seen have you seen the um have you seen lately like the answers are kind of creepy too? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, like it's like it like like you know, like uh don't touch in my junk. You know what I mean? Like in that kind of stuff. It's like you know, it's it, it's weird. Yeah, you're right. It's kind of creepy and sexual. And I'm like, what is this called family feud, not you know, R-rated feud, you know? I <laughs> Yeah, like especially um the ones that so there's been a few times when I've seen it where it's like questions about Steve. Yeah. So it's like, why did Steve wear a wig? And then whatever. But then like sometimes, yeah, some of the the answers on the back of the board, I'm like, what in the hell? I know. <laughs> I know. And that's the thing, you know, because um my parents, when I go over to my parents, like I go over to my parents' house every Saturday. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the late afternoon, and we watch game shows together, and we make dinner, and we eat, and we watch Sven Gulli. That's how I spend my Saturdays, and get to hang out with my elderly folks, and it's awesome. You know, that's how I spend my Saturdays, and I always go there, and we watch some game shows before the Stooges come on, and before Sven. Mm-hmm. And uh, a game show that we watch all the time is called America's. What the hell is it called? America says. And okay, yeah, the knockoff. <laughs> it, yeah, the knockoff of Family Feud, essentially, and it's. And it's with John uh, Michael Higgins from uh, the Pitch Perfect movies and from the uh, the um, uh, Christopher Guest uh, films, mm-hmm. uh, and from uh, Licorice Pizza. He's 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 got the offensive part of Licorice Pizza that everybody seems to hate. <laughs> anyway, he's the host of that, and yeah. it's kind of a variation on that. And my 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 mother and father really love that show, so we watch that, and then. Right after that is a Steve Harvey episode of Family Feud before we watch The Stooges. Mm. And so every single time I watch it, and I watch it once a week, now, I don't watch it regularly because it's not like 60 times a day. You could watch the Steve Harvey Family Feud. I don't know. You could watch, conceivably, I think you could watch it 24 of the 24 hours in a day. Oh, <laughs> yeah. A, yeah. But I always notice it's always like somebody, like, you know, like one of the, one of the answers will be nutsack or something. I'm like, wait a minute, what? It's, yeah, <laughs> it's kind of crazy. It's, like, weird. Because you're just, like, you're not really expecting it. And it's always the one that no one gets. <laughs> it is. And it's always, like, him going, So then yeah. at the end, they're like, answer it. <laughs> yeah. Answer, you know, like, ball sack or something. He'll go, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, like, yeah. he'll. And everyone's he'll real thing. confused because you're yeah. like, what? Yeah. How would we even get that? <laughs> yeah. I, I just always, every anytime now I see Steve Harvey on Family Feud, and again, that's one of 77. He's a he's a, he's like a judge now on a show. They do like ju- did you know that? Oh, Steve Harvey? Yeah, he's like a ju- he has a show huh. where he's a judge now. Like he's Judge Steve and he like it's like people's court. He doesn't with- Does he have his show anymore? Not no, anymore, the talk right? show? No, the talk show's yeah. done. But he still hosts okay. 75 different shows. Like he, you know. Right. At one point he was doing 15 different shows. But every time I watch Family Feud, I just I always picture keenan thompson i every time yeah because 
<laughs> you're like my suit player. I just li- I like when <laughs> I like Keenan Thompson. Do you, you ever see the episode uh, where Keenan Th- well Keenan Thompson they did like Celebrity Family Feud or they did a, a version of Family Feud and it's Keenan Thompson as Steve Harvey and uh, and and um, uh, uh, Chance the Rapper was the host. Mm. And, and he played if you ever see if you ever like google steve uh, family feud snl uh, chance the rapper chance the rapper plays his illegitimate son <laughs> so, oh i don't think i've seen oh, that one you no. got you got you gotta see it because they played chance the by the way chance the rapper was fantastic as a host on snl fantastic he was great um and he actually uh did a, a one of the best bits he did was he was a uh um um uh, on like uh, ESPN, so mm-hmm. he was a he played a oh, correspondent yeah, on that ESPN, I saw. and he had to he had to cover hockey, and he's a black guy, so he you know the the <laughs> the cliche is that you know like there aren't a lot of black hockey fans, and so he played he played the sports correspondent who had no idea what hockey was, <laughs> and it's it's unbelievably funny, it's unbelievable. But anyway, he plays like Steve Harvey's illegitimate son. So they, yeah, get, they, yeah. they they put the mustache on him. He's wearing a suit, you know, and the whole thing is like, how's it going? How's it going, player? It's it's hilarious. It's hilarious. But yeah, I'm I just have this thing now where anytime I see Steve Harvey on Family Feud, I immediately think of Keenan. It's just weird. Yeah. So. Do you have favorite game shows? Yeah. Do you do you have some of the which ones did you watch or do you watch? I do. One of my my favorites growing up was Supermarket Sweep. Oh yeah. <laughs> Classic, classic, and I'll watch it every once in a while because I think they had at a certain point new ones. Well, they have new ones now. Much... You know who the you know who the host oh, they have is new... now. All oh, right, it's on like ABC. ABC, or... yeah, it's. ABC. I haven't watched any of those. I watched some that were, I think, before that. Like they tried to reboot a little bit. Yeah, before that, and then yeah. so yeah. Well, the original um, Re- David Ruprecht was the host. Yeah, and yeah, he, yeah. he he was like the king of. <laughs> He, yeah, he's the king of that. But he also was like what we. One of the things he was known for was wearing bad sweaters, because he would always wear like yeah, the- <laughs> yeah. He had so many sweaters, and they were all like made by his grandmother or his mom or something. He would always give a shout out. But so it was David Ruprecht was. But you know who the host is now? Speaking of SNL, who it's is it? Screaming ass Leslie Jones is the host. Oh wow! Oh, good for her. Yeah, she's the host. She's like, "Time for Supermarket Sweep." She screams the entire. She screams the entire. <laughs> but no, Supermarket Sweep, classic. Yes. Classic, and uh, and I, I I always wanted to like you know like you know I thought the coolest job on Supermarket Sweep was the dude who did the play by play. Hey, watch! <laughs> out. Don't push your cart too fast. You know, like that that guy. And she's in the baby aisle getting <laughs> diapers. A yeah. huge price cake. Exactly. <laughs> oh, my God. She's getting Similac. That's $22 a K. You know, like that. Yeah, absolutely. Will she be able? Oh, she caught the whatever yeah. extra. Yeah, here's the extra. And I I love the extras that were, like, in the late 80s because they were all like, no, remember, go past here and get a sandwich made at the deli. You know, you had to make a sandwich at the deli while you were yeah, shopping. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then, like, rent a movie. Remember where you could actually, at one point, they had, like, movie rentals in the video, in the in the grocery yeah. store? <laughs> I um I still to the I mean now that it's back on I should try to get on because I would kill it I, at Supermarket Sweep. I have no as well I have no doubt in my mind that you would mow the fuck people down with your oh, with yeah. your cart. Like get the oh, yeah. hell out of my- 
And I'm assuming the the, the logic is still there that hams, yeah, are that's big the, money. Was, I was just gonna <laughs> hams ask you. and diapers, hams and, and and I remember people actually actually like the meat department was a big one too. Like you mentioned hams, right? But also, didn't people also like grab like forty pound turkeys and load up like mm-hmm. yeah, all of those what, big what money would your, makers? What would your strategy be? Based upon, I mean, you gotta go for the meat. Yeah, you go for the meat. You go for the big meats, and then I would probably, yeah, go to the the baby aisle and grab them diapers, diapers yeah. and formula if they have it, because that shit's expensive. It is, yeah, yeah. Um, although everything now is expensive, so I guess you just. Start, I would maybe try to sweep in, like with my arm. Yeah, just something just with clear. Black, you know what yeah, I mean? Just clear, clear off a right shelf. In my car. You know what? I mean, that's what I would do. You know what I would do is also, in addition to going for the meats and your and your baby products and stuff like that, man, go to the go to the pharmacy aisle and just sweep off a bunch of vitamins and shit. You know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah, the shampoo just, aisle too, like oh, all yeah. that stuff. Well, now that now, okay, now here's a question, Esmeralda. In the new versions now, because they was they were down for a little while because of COVID, they weren't doing it for a while, so it was off the air for mm-hmm. like a, probably a year and a half, two years. But I'm sure it's going to come back at some point because well, there's a writer's strike and it's easy to do game shows now. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, Although who's going to write the little bits? Now they don't do they don't write them anymore. I mean, they just did a whole award they show. Don't the tone, say they just wing it. They just yeah. You know, Leslie Jones will just scream anyway, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, she'll just scream the whole time anyway. But um, but now. Here's the question, though. I mean, if they want it to be a realistic version of Supermarket Sweep, then you need to call somebody with a key to get those products. You know what oh, I mean? Oh, yeah. That, you know, that expensive shit so is now... Be, I'd be curious how that would... How he could yeah. do that. Oh, my God. How's that going to work? You know what I mean? Because everything is... so under, angry. When you, <laughs> when you go to get deodorant or whatever stuff, you have to ding, ding somebody at Walgreens with the key. Mm-hmm. I would get so mad if no one would come as quickly as I wanted. Because it's a game show, so you're, like, under a time crunch. The clock is no. ticking. Some jagoffs on break. You know what I mean? Oh. Or it would have to be, like, your partner. Oh, yeah. Maybe it's a partner. They give the key to the partner. There you go. Oh, no. I would and be you- so... I'd be like, you better run! <laughs> get your ass over here and unlock this fucking thing now! You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I think you would be awesome on Supermarket Sweep. I would not be your partner. I would I'd, be, kill I'd be terrified. It. I'd be terrified. Oh, no, I would be yelling at, at whoever it was the No, no, that's why. Time. Yeah, absolutely. And especially <laughs> especially if I had to, like, uh, provide you with the key to unlock the, oh, the, Lord. the toiletries. I'd be yeah. like, I can't. Get out of I, my way. No, I'm going to have a fucking heart attack. <laughs> I would see you just busting the plexiglass, like, fuck this, like ripping the plexiglass. Yeah, I would try to <laughs> just tear it off. It's like, it's fine. I can then. Now, are there other uh, uh, game shows that you that you think you would be good at? Do you think our Price is Right? Now, would you be good on Price is Right? No. I am terrible at guessing, uh, at estimating like that. And then also, the games to me are just difficult as hell. Mm-hmm. Like the ones where you have to guess how much something is exactly. And yeah. they're like, what is this number, up or down? I'm like, no, I don't but that's, know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the show is called Price is Right, though, so that's the thing. Right, but that's not, that's too much. I can't do it. I'm like, nope, okay. I'm not, not going even, there. Not even the yodeling jagoff? You don't want to do the yodeling jagoff? No, none of them are good. Like, okay. they're not easy. I get it, because, you know, you don't want to give people these things. Now, what about Millionaire? Would you, you think you would be good on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? I would be good at least for the first... Like ten or whatever, yeah. For right. the first ten that they but you do. Have your Although, do they lines. mix it? They mix it up now, right? I don't know. The last I time haven't... I saw it, I th- 
Because it's still on, isn't it? I, I think it is. The last time I watched it was because... You, uh, do you know that I have a little thing for Meredith Vieira? Did oh, you know, I that? know that? Yeah, I have a thing for her. I have like a kind of a... Oh. Kind of a crush on Meredith Vieira. I know it's weird. A lot of people are like, Meredith Vieira? What the hell is wrong with you? I don't know. I find her very sexy, very attractive, and very smart and funny. And I, I really love Meredith Vieira. And so I was watching it because she was the host for a while. Meredith Vieira was the host yes. for a while. So I'm like, yeah. Ooh. So, um, but no, I would have done, I'd do okay on Millionaire. I would do, I think I'd do okay on Millionaire. I could um, at least get 30,000. Yeah, and that's cool. <laughs> Speaking of, yeah, the, I'd be fine with that. Uh, they did a bit on SNL one time where uh, Daryl Hammond was, of course, Regis because Daryl Hammond did a killer Regis. Mm-hmm. And I think it was Will Ferrell played a contestant, and he answered the first question for a hundred dollars, and he answers it correctly. And 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 uh, Daryl Hammond's like, "Okay, we're going to continue." He's like, "No, I'm good. I'll I'll take my hundred and leave." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you get a trip to New York, and. <laughs> Yeah, the money. I was like, I'm cool. That's why I was. I would like. I can't stand that fucking pick the suitcase show with uh, Harvey. Her her, uh, what's his ass? Uh, Howie Uh, Mandel. Howie Mandel. Yeah, Uh, again, those these are two. Those shows are based off of luck, really. Yeah. There's no. I mean, just picking at random. Like you don't know what's in any of these things. Here's the thing. Uh, For me, at least. No, what were you gonna say? So what? No, it's just like I I like skill. I need I need something yeah. to base off of myself, not just randomness of the world. <laughs> I would not Here's the thing. I would be the worst contestant on Deal or No Deal ever because I walked in with no money and mm-hmm. I'm telling you right now, the very first offer that the banker makes, I'm like, "Yeah, I'll take it. Bye." You know? <laughs> I'm like, that sounds good. No, it's I'm cool. I I came here with nothing. What are you 10 grand? You're offering me 10 grand. Bye. I'll see you. I'll see you later. <laughs> <laughs> now what about stuff like what about password that's a fun that's a fun game show right i yeah i like password um is password because there's different versions of it i think there's like a bunch you... of them there was like the regular password there was super password there was password plus there were a whole bunch of them your original host was alan ludden and then burt convy took over yeah but there's know. somewhere like you don't get enough clues so the person, you know, trying to explain whatever the word is, they get like one word to say. Oh yeah, where versus they break there's somewhere like you don't have to, like you don't, you can say more, you can yeah. talk more about no, it. No, there was there was one. Oh shit, what was the show? There was like a version of password or a variation of it where you could say two words or three words, and then they, it cuts down, and then gestures. Like at one point you couldn't say the yeah. word, and I can't remember what that was, but it was like a form of password. Yeah. But the original, I'll watch, I'll watch the old ones where, yeah, you just you have to give one word, one word clues. clue, yeah, 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 yeah. and and then um, like super password and password plus, there would be a like every word that you would guess would go up on the board, and all those words would be something that would solve a puzzle. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, and that would be password plus, um, and super. Password. Oh, and then um, the one that I really I enjoy watching. I I realize I am not good at. at guessing these damn things yeah um but is oh god alex trebek hosted it jeopardy no uh um, it's with the um concentration it's with the board yes concentration oh man classic concentration. i am awful at that stupid board <laughs> i yeah no i mean that 
<laughs> Even when the thing is all done and I'm like, what? I don't I know, because you have to figure out I'm, this I'm, plus I'm, this. I don't know what that is. Yeah, this plus <laughs> this, the, the, the homing pigeon. Like, what? Yeah. I, like, sometimes I'll be like, is that? I don't know what that is. Is that a hat? I, what is it? Huh? I don't understand what they yeah. want from me. <laughs> and, and if you go back and watch those classic concentration, by the way, they show that on Buzzer way too much. I, that's where I've been. I've been watching it, and then you it's get to on, see Alex Trebek in his in his yeah, outfits as well, in his sweaters and shit. Yeah, but but that goddamn thing is on all the time on Buzzer, all the time. And like every time I turn it on, I'm like, God damn it, classic concentration again. Yeah, I um, also don't understand how the games go. <laughs> so you lose one, but then you come back and you play there, again. Yeah, there's a. I, I guess like <laughs> you get a second chance because there were a lot of game shows that did that. You would come back for a second chance. Yeah. Um, Match Game actually did that in their later years. Like if you lost, okay. you would come back for game two. I don't know why they. I guess they wanted to make people feel better. It's like <laughs> yeah. And then also the game in concentration at the end for the cars where you had to match up the cars. People yeah. are morons. <laughs> How have you not like? How have you not figured out the game already? Like yeah. before getting on, yeah. Because there's the ones who do it methodically. You go down the rows and you right. match to the next one, and yeah, so you, you can deduce easier. And then there's the ones that are just going all crazy and just picking out of nowhere. Right? It's like, no, you're right. not gonna win. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because Alex Trebek used to host that, and then he got Jeopardy. But people forget that he mm-hmm. hosted a lot of really shitty, stupid game shows. You know, before he before he got Jeopardy, because he did that. He was also in High Rollers. High Rollers mm. was when you would, yeah, man, roll the dice. You know, so it was High Rollers. He hosted that, and he hosted a, uh, shit. What was that? The name of that show? Oh, I can't remember uh, the name of it. Um, but he hosted like Alex Trebek hosted like five or six shows before he landed. He you know, hosted uh, a lot. The Wizard of Odds. The Wizard of Odds, which was terrible. Um, Uh, Pitfall. Pitfall. I don't even remember Pitfall. It was Canadian. Yeah, well, he's Canadian. (laughs) Um, I know. It was a Canadian uh, uh, game show, but it aired here in the U.S. Speaking of Buzzer, (laughs) early in the morning, if you're up early in the morning and you turn on Buzzer, there's a show, a Canadian game show called Talk About. Mm. Uh, Well, well, they actually pronounce it Talk About because it's Canadian. Right. But- and what you, it's the, it's Esmeralda, it's so ridiculous. You have to watch it. You have to watch it. And the guy who hosts it is a, is a real dickhead. Um, uh, but it's called Talk About. And it's on Buzzer, mm-hmm. I want to say 8 in the morning or 8.30 in the morning. It's on early. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you just Google it, Canadian game show Talk yeah. About. It is the most ridiculous. Because what you have to do is they give you a subject. You and your partner, they give you a subject. You know, mm-hmm. like, uh, I don't know, I, I just, uh, off the top of my head, uh, I don't know, Alfred Hitchcock. They'll give you some, oh yeah, talk about Alfred Hitchcock, and then you have to talk about it, and if you say certain words, they light up. Oh, oh. Um, and and are those the bad ones you're not supposed to No, say? those are the ones that you're supposed to say. So, like, there, oh, are ten, okay. there are ten words, and if you say, like, if, you, like, if you're talking about psych, or if you're talking about uh, Alfred Hitchcock, like, on that list would be, like, director or... Uh, psycho or the bird, you know what I mean? Like that kind of stuff would be on. So there. wait a minute, how do you wait? But how? <laughs> but you don't know the words. No, you have to talk about him oh, until 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 you say those words, and then they oh, come off. Okay. The, and then they come off the list. And then let's say you say seven of them. Your partner has mm-hmm. to say the other three that yeah. are hidden. Well, that's that's it, kind of e- um. I would I could you know unless. 
it's something quite difficult, like in terms of subject. I yeah. think you could. I think you could knock it out, especially if you're just getting like stream of consciousness, just talking, they, talking, talking. That's what it is. It's just. It's just you continue to talk. They give you like I think it's a. Uh, I want to say it's like a forty-five second time limit, mm-hmm. and the clock is ticking, and you just have to continue talking and saying words until you hopefully say whatever is hidden on the board. Right. Is, I, so I think I could. I think you could. I think you. No. Yeah, Doable. but the, the the problem is like the subjects, mm-hmm. and the fact that the show was like in the early '90s, so it's really dated, mm-hmm. and the host is a jackass, and it's Canadian. All of those things together. Yeah, what have what have been the what have been some topics that you saw? Oh, they they're all over the map. Like it, uh, like they, like anything, uh, the most div- like random shit you can possibly imagine. Um, not just like celebrity related or anything like that, but just random like scissors. Talk about scissors. <laughs> you know, I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. Well, they're around. They have sharp edges. Right. Sharp. They then boom. Sharp. sharp. Sharp will pop up, and then cut. Yeah. The IQ cut things with them. Cut will pop up, and you just have to continue talking about scissors for 45 seconds until <laughs> you randomly I knock off do these. That. I could yeah. do that. That reminds me of um, when I was in in high school. We had to do journals, entries. Yeah. Um. And I would, <laughs> when um, I didn't do them on time, so I was like crunch, crunch hour, and we had so many to do. I just started talking about random things in my journal entries, <laughs> like the chair. Like I wrote one about a chair because <laughs> I was like, I have no clue what to write about. So I was like, chairs. See, I love chairs. See, and you know what? Chairs are round, and chairs are but- this and that. You then as well you would you would kill on this show you would kill just you know what here's the thing if they ever bring it back we'll fly to canada and uh, you know if michael bolton is going mm-hmm. to canada we'll go to canada with bolton mm-hmm. and we'll go to this thing and just bring your old journals and if they say your your topic and they give you two to choose from so if it's like you know uh okay garbage cans or chairs you chairs fuck i got oh. that in the journal <laughs> oh wow See that's even easier. They get they let you choose. Yeah, no, least. you choose between the two. Well, if you're in the lead, you choose, and the other team okay, gets well, whatever you don't. Well, we're gonna be in the lead. You're you're st- the other team is <laughs> the other team is stuck with whatever the other team doesn't pick. Right. You know what I mean. So, but yeah. So that's think... that's that's it. But you should look at. I can't remember the guy's name who hosts it, but he's. It's from like the Some late Canadian 80s. Canadian man. It's Canadian man Johnson, <laughs> and it's like talk a boot, and it's. It is, and the and the and the 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 contestants are such lunatics. I mean, you seriously, you got to watch this show. Um, I'm sure that you can watch it online. You can watch it on the YouTube's, but it's yeah. on early in the morning. I want to say like seven thirty or eight a.m. on Buzzer, and it's called mm-hmm. Talk About Talk About. You need to watch you. You need to watch it. I I, I I assume that at some point you'll be obsessed with it. I, I my, that's my guess. Uh, the host Wayne Cox. <laughs> Of course, his last name is Cox. Some, some yeah, Canadian that. man named Wayne Cox. <laughs> That's it. So talk about man. There are so um, many more. I I really enjoy. Um, you were talking about the Price is Right. I yeah. really enjoy the old Price is Right. Have yeah. you seen the black, the black and white, white. versions? Oh, yeah. Bill they're Cullen. so much easier. <laughs> Bill Cullen was the host. Bill Cullen was the original host. Yeah. Bill Cullen. By the way, if you look up Bill Cullen, Esmeralda. Mm-hmm. Bill Cullen to me. Uh, I mean, Gene Rayburn is always going to be my favorite because he hosts Match Game, and that's my favorite game show of all time. But Bill Cullen, to me, is the quintessential game show host and perhaps 
I think, the greatest game show host of all time. And Bill Cullen, if you look up his credits, he's hosted like eight million shows. And yeah, he is, Bill Cullen to me, if you go back and watch all those classic old game shows, the mm-hmm. quintessential, the best game show host ever is Bill Cullen. The best. Um, and he's done everything. Like he was the original host of Prices, right? He was, uh, he did everything. He hosted blockbusters and uh, uh, Joker's Wild he hosted for a little while. I mean, yeah. he hosted everything. Uh, $100,000 Pyramid. That's the one I enjoy because you yeah. can talk more. Yes, you can. You talk can. out the answers That's more. right. You know what kills me about that show is like the hosts are always jagoffs on that show. Because like, here's the thing that always <laughs> makes me mad. Here's what makes me mad. You, 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 see if you agree with me on this, Esmeralda, or not, okay? About the pyramid. So you're in the pyramid, okay? And you're in the, the you're in the actual circle and you're, you know, giving mm-hmm. clues. And you got your hands mm-hmm. in the straps so you don't use your, you know what I mean? So you don't use your mm-hmm. arms. And you're giving the clues and everything and you don't get two of them or something. And then like Dick Clark or whoever, the, Dick, Dick Clark was a jag off on that show. So Dick Clark comes up or Michael Strahan now, who's the host. Or mm-hmm. Donny Osmond at one point was the host, you know. And then they come up and go, what if I said this? And then the person gets it. You know what I mean? And they're like, like, oh. Yeah. So like, okay, Dick, you're not the one sitting in the circle. You're standing on the side, you know, and then suddenly you come up and go, what if you gave this clue? And you seem like a smart guy. You know what I mean? Like, I hate like, it when the host. Cool. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks now, <laughs> asshole. You know, like uh, if, if, if it's like uh, household chores and you're. Like and the person doesn't get it, and and then Michael Strahan comes up. What if I said uh, dishes and sweeping? And then they go, oh, household chores. See, and then he looks like a smart. You know what I mean? Like fuck off, Michael Strahan and see? Dick Clark. Yeah, see, I'm smarter than you. Fuck off. I hate when the hosts oh, do that, no. especially Dick Clark. He used to drive me nuts. He'd come up and go, yeah, see. <laughs> He'd come up and go, yeah, sweeping, uh, drying dishes. See, I, you know, I've got it more than you. Get the fuck out of here. Used to drive me he nuts. should have made him do an episode. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You sit your ass in the chair with the straps. You know what I mean? And and the and the and the kit and the clicker going dunk, dunk, dunk. You know what I mean? With the clock. <laughs> like fuck you, Dick Clark. You're standing on the side, you know, thinking of things. Then you come up and go, well, yeah, I would have said this clue, and you would have won ten grand because I'm Dick Clark. Get the fuck out of here. Like, Thanks, Dick Clark. Thanks a lot, Dick Clark. <laughs> Moron. And now Michael Strayhorn does it. Stray Heron comes in and goes, well, what if I said uh, tree? Oh, leaves. See? Fuck off. <laughs> so, all right. Well, all right. Listen, we, we, we've got a lot more game shows that we're going to talk about. I want to hang on to some mm-hmm. of them. I know that you have many. So the homework assignment, Esmeralda, if you choose to do it, is to find that Canadian show and watch it. <laughs> oh, okay. Because <laughs> I, think, I, think I think you will be obsessed with it. Uh, talk about Got it. <laughs> and you do not. And during talk about at no point do you have to pick a briefcase at any point. Do you have to do stupid shit? like Perfect. That. So. All right. <laughs> well, those are game shows. We'll talk more about those the next time we talk. Coming up uh, the next time we talk uh, is uh, Monica Eng is going to join me. The lovely uh, Monica Eng nice. from Axios Chicago and her book uh, Made in Chicago, which is all about uh, great hometown Chicago bites. We'll talk a little bit about that as well. Uh, my thanks to uh, Jim Ryan uh, for uh, talking music today. Hey, you want to be a sponsor? Contact us at sales at radiomisfits.com. Listen to us uh, streaming 24-7. This podcast at 3 p.m. every day. My SNL podcast at 9 a.m. every day. That's at radiomisfits.live. Leave a voicemail at 773-417-6948. Email nickdpodcast at gmail.com. My thanks to Jason Skaggs. He's the man. Does all the music and the sounds. Take the time to rate and review us on every platform. My thanks to Ed. My thanks to Esmeralda. And my thanks to you. And we'll see you next time on the Nick D Podcast. The wind is right on me.